0: Love college football. Can he take this home? You've come to the right place. He's gone. Touchdown again, Josh Adams. This is your home for Chicago's college tailgate. Downfield, looking for Godwin. Into his hands, and guess which dogs are barking first. Chicago's college tailgate. Fire to the end zone! Touchdown! Alabama wins on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The game is over. The Wildcats prevail. It's time for Chicago's college tailgate on ESPN 1000. The open field. It's the corner Got a great block. Unbelievable! 56 yards! Touchdown! USC! This is Chicago's college tailgate. Along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Here's Jonathan
1: Hood.
2: I right, the four-win casino of the Kiki Grill. Along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, I'm Jonathan Hood. It's Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. As we lead you into Michigan against Notre Dame, our coverage starts at 5.30 right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT and also on our Facebook page as well. Look for College Tailgate there on our Facebook page. And guys, before we even get into our college football discussion, there's plenty to talk about here already for week one for college football. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about what the Bears did this morning Bears general manager Ryan Pace, Wheeling and Dealing saw an opportunity to bring one of the best defensive players in the league to the Bears. He pounced. He was able to get Khalil Mack from the uh, Oakland Raiders. And I'll tell you what, Chris, you know, many times over the years, you would see this opportunity if you are the Bears, an opportunity for you to trade for for someone that can help you right away. A three-time Pro Bowler, 40 sacks in his first Uh, four NFL seasons, has I missed a start in 64 regular season games. Khalil Mack definitely is a real deal, but the Bears, with the the, 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 the
3: balls, the testicular fortitude to be able to get
2: this done, uh, they are able to get Khalil Mack a difference maker for this defense.
3: Yeah, you hear the news as a Bears fan, the first thing you have to think of is, okay, the time is now, because Ryan Pace has mortgaged the future to make this team good at the moment. And that means whatever you thought heading into this season – push it to the side because now this team needs to make a playoff run or else we're going to have some questions when we get to the offseason because the one thing you were definitely missing with this team on defense, a legit pass rusher, a top five defensive player in the entire league, you now have that guy. Now you have to make it all worth it. You have to make the playoffs. You have to make a push, Abdallah,
4: and that's what's so fascinating and so great about this move because now the Bears are back in it. Well, you've got Mitchell Trubisky, who's on a rookie deal. So that money is taken care of for the foreseeable future. So the Bears had the cap space and the money to do this. Let's look at exactly what they gave up. The Raiders are going to get a 2019 first-round pick, a 2020 first-round pick, a 2020 third-round pick, and a 2019 sixth-round pick. But that sixth-round pick is... Is whatever the Bears get Khalil Mack, of course, mm-hmm. a second-round pick and a conditional 2025th-round pick. So they're not going to get a second-round pick next year. They're going to get it in two years. So Ryan Pace really putting it out there and saying, "Look, we our defense is built to win. Now we're missing that second pass rusher, so now this pass rusher becomes our best pass rusher, mm-hmm. and Leonard Floyd can become the second best pass rusher if he needs to be. Uh, and now that top ten quote top ten defense from last year has the possibility to be a top five defense." The big thing for me though is now you are married to Mitchell Trubisky. Because if he doesn't work out this year or next year, you have to wait three full years to try to get a first-round quarterback again.
2: As far as us being Bears fans and over the years, the one distinguishing characteristic about Chicago Bears football is that the defense would be able to carry the mail. We saw that with the last Super Bowl team with the Bears, in which they go to the Super Bowl, you know the defense really is a calling card for the team. But I think that this time around, I think that what the Bears did was almost Cubs-like in this regard, because because here's Khalil Mack for an Oakland Raiders team that's behind the times. They don't think that defense matters. And Khalil Mack is going to book in with Leonard Floyd. And the reason why it's, it's Cub-like is because look at your core defensively, under 30. Khalil Mack is only 27. Floyd's 25. Uh, Eddie Goldman is 24. Uh, Akeem Hicks is 28. Roquan Smith was just drafted. Kyle Fuller is 26. Uh, Eddie Jackson's 25. So, so, Chris, I guess the point is is that you take a look at, at this defense. To me, at times, it was a playoff-like defense. Khalil can only enhance what they've already done.
3: Stack the young chips on the team. And if you stack them on defense, the best way to win in the NFL is stack that defense with young talent and have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. So Abdallah mentioned, this means it's go time now because now we have to see what Trubisky actually is because basically all the other pieces are falling into place. This team didn't have blue-chip players on it two, three years ago. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, you absolutely have blue-chip players all over the field, and that's why this defense should be so exciting. It's why they should be good. And now you have to take advantage of the financial position you're in where you're not paying most of your salary cap to a quarterback. The fact that Mitch Trubisky's on a rookie deal, that's how we saw Seattle win. That's how we saw a young Indianapolis team with Andrew Luck win. That's how we've seen many other teams in the NFL win, is when
4: the quarterback is on a rookie deal and the defense is stacked. That's how you take advantage of the salary cap in the NFL. I'm glad you mentioned the Seahawks and the Colts, too, because you have to now assume that the bears think Mitchell Trubisky can be Russell Wilson, can be Andrew Luck, can be that franchise quarterback. Now you traded up and drafted him second overall, so he better be even before you made this decision to draft or to trade for Khalil Mack because now you're kind of stuck with Trubisky, whether he's good or not, we'll see. We didn't get to see a lot in the preseason from him. We obviously didn't get to see a lot from him offensively last year because of the play calling, but we always talk about what it takes to build a successful football team. Mm -hmm. You have to have the franchise quarterback, and you have to be able to get to the quarterback. And now... The Bears have one of the best guys, if not the best guy in the NFL, to get to the quarterback. You look at his total QB pressures over the last three years. 2015, he had 82. 2016, he had 96. And last year, he had 79 QB pressures. He's been top three every single year in QB pressures. And you look at the division and the quarterbacks that they're going to face in the division. We all know Aaron Rodgers right out of the gate on mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football to open the season. Now, you've forced the entire NFC North— to re plan for you because how are you going to deal with Khalil Mack? Chicago's College
2: Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jonathan, Chris, and Adam with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at the k Grill. When you go into the uh, Four Winds Casino, you go to the left, all the way to the left, and you'll be able to see us at the k Grill. We're with you here until 5.30. A very special broadcast here every single week. We give you what you need for a college football conversation, but because it's breaking news, we had to tell you about Khalil Mack. We're also going to update you on the, um, the scoreboard all throughout our show four times an hour we'll give you the scores that you need for week one of college football right here on espn 1000 also we've got some giveaways for those that come to the kinky grill
4: here yeah if you come here you have a chance to win tickets to see notre dame later on this season in fact next week you can go see two we've got two pairs of tickets to give away for notre dame and ball state and then one pair of tickets for two weeks from now uh, against vanderbilt when they take on vanderbilt september 15th so you have to be here to win, you have to register here at the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Come here, hang out, play some games, watch some games, and enjoy some uh, college football conversations. So
2: at the top at fifteen, at the bottom, and also forty-five, we'll hook you up with uh, scoreboards to keep you abreast of what's going on. From a gambling, I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, gambling, uh, right yes, here, <laughs> gambling <laughs> perspective on oh, yep, ESPN yep. One Thousand and the ESPN app. And so, Chris, uh, the, the largest, the longest off season of all the major sports. But finally, we're all here for a college football. Notre Dame against Michigan, that's why we're here. We have Michigan fans that are here at the Cankey Grill. Also, Notre Dame fans have checked in as well as they stopped here at the Kanky Grill on their way to the game here at South Bend. But off the bat, this could make or break a season for both of these two polarizing programs. Very few look at these programs as serious contenders for the national title. But the winner could really jumpstart their football season with a W, Notre Dame or Michigan.
3: Yeah, probably the highlight of most people in the Midwest of the first Saturday of college football in Michigan, Notre Dame. It's obviously going to be led by the defenses because both were so outstanding last year. But really, tonight's game is going to come back to the quarterbacks: Brandon Wimbush and Shea Patterson. What are we going to see from the old Miss transfer? Is he worth the ju- is his juice worth the squeeze for Jim Harbaugh? And then also Brandon Wimbush—he only had a forty-nine percent completion percentage last season. I mean, is he going to be able to up that this season? Be more efficient for Notre Dame and allow the offense to really take off because this team has aspirations to make the college football playoff, the defense will
4: be good enough, but can the offense keep up? What do you think, Adam, about this matchup here? I think that both defense, like Chris said, are going to be absolutely stacked, and it's going to be a big test for Notre Dame's linebackers to contain Shea Patterson. He's actually one of the few quarterbacks, if not the only one, who's actually better outside of the pocket than he is inside the pocket. He's not a threat to run. He had negative 21 yards on 47 rushing attempts last year, so he's not a threat to take the ball and actually run it for a first down. He may every once in a while for short yardage, but he's not going to break off a 10 or 15 yard run. But he's actually better when he's on the run outside of the pocket, very Aaron Rodgers-like when he's running around. 26 of 43 passes outside of the pocket last year for 423 yards and four touchdowns. A lot of production from him when he's running around. So it's going to be on those linebackers, on that secondary to keep an eye on him when he's in the move and then of course we talk about the other side of the the ball with Brandon Wimbush and can he essentially be better like he was just bad at completing passes yeah. last year in his last four games 44 uh, percent completion last year for notre dame just not he just needs to be better he took a lot of sacks that he didn't need to he needs to learn to get rid of the ball earlier he needs to make the throws down the field and put his wide receivers in a good position to catch the ball it sounds pretty simplistic of what he needs to improve upon but for some reason brandon Wimbush has not been able to do it and you know, for Notre Dame fans, that
3: you're aware that Brian Kelly at some point is going to be red-faced on the sidelines, and at some point he's going to play a little roulette deal with the quarterbacks, of course. and you might see Ian Book at some point, which, I, here's the thing about Wimbush, it's, he's a, a really good runner, he gives the dual threat for the Notre Dame offense, and Abdallah mentioned it, can he be more consistent in the pocket? And that's the thing when you look at this Notre Dame team, because the schedule breaks down for them, where if they beat the teams on their schedule, who they probably should beat... You're going to make the playoffs. You know, as we head into the schedule, theoretically, they might be better than Michigan. If you beat Michigan, you're fine. If you beat Florida State, you're fine. If you beat USC, you're fine. You're going to get into the playoffs. The problem with Notre Dame, though, is if you trip up, you have no conference championship game at the end of the season to help entice voters and, and the conversation around you to say this team should be in the college football playoff.
2: See, Adam, my, my issue with Michigan is this, is that there's going to be plenty of Jim Harbaugh defenders because they will look at the resume. They will look at San Diego State. They will take a look at what he did in the NFL. They'll take a look at, at where, where he's been. The point is, though, is that all those things are fine, but it, we're talking about Michigan now. okay? So he built himself in a position where he can have this job. And, and to me, Eight and five last year, five and four in the conference, just was not good enough. We were talking about Nebraska, how they're all you know over the top with their standards. <laughs> uh, I mean, in twenty eighteen, but Michigan has had a constant standard for a long time. Let's put Brady Hook to the side because that was a transitional period. Jim Harbaugh was there, was brought in to be able to win Big Ten championships. He talked about it um, a couple of days ago in a, in a pre-tape he did for um, for Game Day. He Talked about how our key is to be able to win the Big Ten. Okay, that's fine. But here's the thing that is so confusing to me: His defense has been built up nicely. It's a good defense, mm-hmm. but how is it that, from an offensive standpoint, they still lag behind? That the in the ranked second in the Big Ten in total defense last season. Uh, in fact, the defense has never been better under Harbaugh. It's the offense that is the issue. Michigan ranked ninth in total offense in the Big Ten last season. This is what he's brought in here for, and I'm thinking if they fall short of their goal of winning the Big Ten championship or lose today against Notre Dame, it's the same old, same old, I think, for Michigan.
4: Well, you mentioned the defense, and I'll I'll address that first. His defense is one of the best in the country. Clemson's going to get a lot of talk for their defensive line. Michigan probably has the second best defensive line in the country. He's returning a ton of starters to that Michigan defense. Your problem is the quarterback. He hasn't found his Andrew Luck. And I don't know if Shea Patterson's going to be that kind of guy. The problem with Michigan this year is even if they are good, and Shea Patterson can be successful and the defense can be what it is, this schedule for them is absolutely brutal. They open the season, as we all know, we're talking about it with Notre Dame. But then they have to go to Northwestern. They have to face Wisconsin. They have to go to Michigan State. They get penn state at home and then they have to go to ohio state at the end of the season tons of hard games the big 10 is absolutely stacked this year and it's going to be hard for jim harbaugh to go to these different places to go to michigan state and then have to have penn state come in after facing wisconsin i mean you've got three games in a row here wisconsin michigan state penn state if he can find a way to win those games and shea patterson is successful good for them congrats you've made the playoff as far as I'm concerned, you've made the playoff. You go to a Big Ten championship, you've made the playoff. But that schedule is so tough. I don't know with a new quarterback coming in with a system that wasn't successful at, uh, as an offense. Last year, you mentioned ninth in the Big Ten in offense. In the Big Ten, not even in the country. Ninth in the Big Ten. Right. So I don't know if they can be successful enough uh, this year on offense, but everything has to come together at the right time for him. His defense has to be successful, and his offense has to be able to find, uh, find a way to put points on the board all at the exact same time. I don't know if he's going to be able to find that this year.
0: Time for a scoreboard. The CCT scoreboard on
3: ESPN 1000. Here's Chris. Jonathan, we take a look at the scoreboard. Ohio State up on Oregon State 70-31 to with 926 left in the fourth quarter. Delayed in a lightning delay. Ah, the early season lightning delays in college football. Maryland and Texas right now, they're delayed in the fourth quarter. It's 31 Maryland. Texas 29 Georgia's up 10-0 on Austin P early in the first quarter Washington okay the Pac-12 hopes might be dashed in the first quarter of this one uh, right now Auburn is up 9 nothing on Washington with 303 left in the first quarter USC's on the board 3-0 over UNLV a minute into that game also going on in the top 25 scoreboard Appalachian State up 10-7 on Penn State right now 206 left in the first quarter. West Virginia and Tennessee. West Virginia, Virginia's up 10 0 on Tennessee at the end of the first quarter. Oh. And also scores in the Big Ten, Northern Illinois and Iowa. Heading into the second quarter, no score. All right, Chris, thank you. As you're listening to Chicago's
2: College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 at the ESPN app, Jonathan, Chris, and Adam with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at the KQ Grill. Glad that you're with us. Follow us on Twitter, by the way, at ESPN 1000CCT. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you about Notre Dame, but first let's hear from Brian Kelly, the head coach for the Fighting Irish. He talks about the quarterback with the aforementioned Wimbush and his improvements he sees for this upcoming season.
1: You know, he's made really great progress. I, I think the best way to encapsulize where he is is that uh, he drives the ball very well. Uh, he's a very good putter. He struggles chipping it, and the chips are these small completions around the line of scrimmage, screens, quick drop-offs. Those are very important to high-percentage quarterbacks keeping drives alive. Uh, he was not very good at those last year those are touch passes those are the chips that gets up and down and, and saving rounds and saving drives and so he's worked on it um he's better at it he'll continue to get better at it you know he started 11 games went nine and two for us last year Threw over you know accounted for over 30 touchdowns he's a good quarterback he's got to continue to get better um but he obviously has other things that he can do for us and, uh, he can use his legs. So he's a really good quarterback who's getting better, uh, each and every week and expect him to play well against Michigan.
2: So Brian Kelly talking about uh, Brandon Wimbush, the quarterback for Notre Dame. And, and Chris, to me, this is like Hogan versus Andre, the big blue cage. Who's going to be the first one out when it comes to Brian Kelly or, or Jim Harbaugh? we got to <laughs> figure out like who's the first one out, who's going to yeah. be able to survive. Uh, you know, Everything is pinned on that quarterback. Again, we talk about Jim Harbaugh and his offensive um, prowess. Same thing with Brian Kelly, an offensive guy that can be able to maybe uh, enhance what Wimbush could bring to the table. But
3: he really needs to rely on that guy to be able to get it done. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at it, Brian Kelly actually has had a good offense, though, and that's the difference because Michigan's offense struggled so much last year and. Wimbush, his ability to not complete the short passes, which you heard Brian Kelly just talk about, the one thing that helps in that whole situation, the whole equation, is the fact that he ran for 803 yards last year. He had 14 touchdowns rushing the ball. So even if he can't complete the short pass, the easy pass that he allowed the drives to continue, Brendan Wimbush is a really good dual threat quarterback. Now, is he the best in the country? Probably not, right? But most Notre Dame fans know that already, and they just want to see more consistency from him heading into the season because this offense last year, their offensive efficiency and SP plus was 24th in the nation. So, like, they're one of the better offenses in the nation. They have a quarterback who can... Make some throws. He can definitely run the ball, and the offense puts up points. And that's not what Michigan dealt with last year. And I know they have a new quarterback, but that's like the difference between these two teams is they both have really good
4: defenses. But Brian Kelly's actually had an offense that's produced some points while he's been there. However, 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 Jonathan remembers the game against Georgia for Brandon Wimbush and uh, Notre Dame. Yes. And I was here. And (laughs) and we all saw them face Miami, two very good defenses last year. Brandon Wimbush, one touchdown, three interception in those in those two games. So against good defenses, he hasn't been able to show up. Sure, when they're playing Navy and it's a shootout, that's fine. But when he's playing top defenses like Georgia and Miami, he hasn't been able to come through. And that's been a problem. They need to come through in big games. You can win eight games a year and be Notre Dame and be fine. But if you're not winning these big games that put you in the playoff contention, what difference does it make? No, it's fair. That's a fair point. And that's great for Notre Dame as they go through this season. What
3: big games did Shea Patterson win last year? Because exactly. he, he, he had, you know, the, the, the <laughs> right. science is deafening because he had a legit talent around him at Ole Miss. Oh, better talent than he's going to have at Michigan. Well, right. And that, that's the point is that you, you think that this new quarterback's going to save the day for for Michigan. I'm not quite sold on it. What, uh,
2: can we, let's pull up a Notre Dame's schedule because if they fall short here against Michigan, but I think it's likely, we've got to take a look at what else is there for them. Because to me, I think it's a very slippery slope for Notre Dame. There will be people here here at the Kentucky Grill that are diehard Irish fans, and they believe that they should have a, a chance at the Final Four. Uh, but the thing is is that they've got to go pretty damn close to undefeated to be able to be even considered as an independent uh, division that they're in.
4: Well, you have to face Stanford at home. That's probably their next toughest game. Because after this, you've got Ball State, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, and then you've got Stanford here. Uh, it, at Notre Dame, then you have to go to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You get Pitt at home. You have to go to Navy. You have to go to Northwestern, which will be a uh, a big game for them. And then you get Florida State at home, Syracuse at home, and then you have to go to USC at the end of the season. At Northwestern, a trap game? Oh, absolutely. Before yeah. Virginia Tech, or uh, right, at, or it's a week just before yeah. Florida State, week before Florida State, I mean, yes, it's going to be a trap game, right?
3: I think it is, and Evanston's going to be rocking that day. We'll be there. Oh yeah, night. I mean, it, like That that's a big game. Even though that's at the, the moment Northwestern's mm-hmm. not ranked, that's going to be a tough game on the road. Chicago's
2: College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. The ESPN app, Jonathan, Chris, and Adam with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend. If you've never been, it's pretty brand new. You should stop by a beautiful facility. And here at the Four Winds Casino... Uh,
4: they have got uh, some tickets to give away here. Yes, we're giving away a pair of tickets to that Vanderbilt game that I mentioned and then two pairs of tickets uh, to the Ball State game September 8th, all brought to you by Four Winds Casino South Bend. Four Seasons Heating and Cooling, Sip Recruiter, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois.
2: Number two, Clemson gets the job done defeating Furman. Just one guy named Furman by the score 48-7. to seven. Uh, and so we got to keep our eyes, Chris, on Clemson because we talk about who's, who's the closest team to Alabama, who could take on Alabama in the national championship game if Alabama gets there, uh, maybe meeting them in the Final Four at some point. Clemson is going to be a team that we got to keep our eyes on as well.
3: Yeah, and their starting uh, front four on defense is going to be the best in the country on, on defense. So, so if you look at Clemson, Davo Sweeney, I know that they're going to play two quarterbacks at times uh, and both got into the game today. I this team is so much better than what we have at 3, 4, and 5. You have Alabama and Clemson, and I think maybe everyone in the country is picking both of those teams to make the playoff. Sure. And, and why would you disagree? From what we saw last year from both of these teams and the talent that's coming back for both of them, I think absolutely the door's open for Clemson to be one or two throughout this season.
2: 46 sacks last year for a, a vaunted defense uh, tied with South Carolina of Southern
4: Cal uh, for the most in the FBS. I know that they're one of the best teams in college football, I know that they have the top defensive line in the country. But for all the scrutiny that the SEC and Alabama gets for their schedule, who does Clemson play? Go
2: through that schedule for us.
4: Well, they beat they beat the Furman today. Tough game. Yeah, Mark, Mark Furman. Texas A&M, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State. Their only ranked opponent, uh, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Duke, and South Carolina. That really is a nice schedule, but oh, yeah. now,
2: now where's the now where's you got a trap game there?
4: One N- that you like? Mm. NC State before F- before Florida State. Mm. Watch out for the Wolf back. you know. I mean... Louisville, no, no, an odd one there? No, Louisville's, Louisville's not that same. Bye, Petrino's going to yeah. get Clemson? Come on. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting,
2: though, because as we look at the schedule, it looks very easy for them. But you, as you well know, there's always just one kind of trip-up game. I, I will say this, the though, Clemsoning? about Clemson. Yeah, the one thing I will say this about Clemson. Unlike Alabama, they don't have, it, they, they don't have to worry about so much scrutiny if they don't get there. You know why? Because similar to my team, Georgia, mm. the, win- the doors open for Clemson at some point to knock down a national championship. And, and Dabo Sweeney's already won. He wakes up every morning, des- despite you know, whatever is in his bank account, he's a winner. And why he's a winner is because it's like, what was Clemson before he got there? I mean, I mean, here's a guy here that that replaced. He was a wide receivers coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then steps in and makes uh, Clemson a actual contender, a top four, top five team in college football. So to me, year after year with Clemson, to me, Adam is just like it's just no pressure for them. It's just whatever happens. If they're able to win a national championship, it's great. But at least they're always going to be in the mix with
4: Dabble. I always take the over on their win total because their schedule is so easy. They don't have. That tough game. They may have to face uh, Miami in the ACC championship game, but by then they'll have already locked up. What are they going to lose to Miami and miss out on the playoff if Miami's good enough to beat them and knock them out? I don't think Miami's going to be good enough this year to beat them in the ACC championship game. So I think they can go, they go undefeated and and just walk right into waltz even right into the college football playoff. That's the easiest pick. That the committee is going to have this season.
2: All right. Speaking of easy schedules coming up next, we talk about Alabama as they get ready to take on
4: Louisville tonight.
2: Cupcake. We will talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide, the national champions. The quarterback controversy. Uh, what can Alabama do this upcoming season? We'll address that coming up next. Along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah, Jonathan Hood with you. So we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at the Key Grill,
0: Chicago's college tailgate on ESPN One Thousand the
3: cct scoreboard on espn 1000 welcome back to chicago's college tailgate i'm chris black scores going on in college football right now 350 left in the fourth quarter ohio state up big on oregon state 77 31 maryland and texas still in that lightning delay the score's 31 maryland texas 29 georgia the bulldogs up 17 nothing on austin p 12-10 left in the second quarter. Washington and Auburn right now, second quarter early. Auburn's up 9-3. to The great hope for the Pac-12. They're down 6 early. Uh, USC is up 3 nothing on UNLV. Closer than the experts think at the moment. Early in that one in the first quarter as well. Also, Penn State at the moment, down 3 to Appalachian State, 10-7. With 30 seconds left in the first quarter. It's early, Abdallah. Come on now. You know how this goes. Uh, Iowa and Northern Illinois. Iowa is up 3 nothing in the Big Ten and also one other score at the end of the first quarter. West Virginia is up 10 nothing on Tennessee.
2: Along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Bleck, John of the Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at K-A-K-K-Grill. Chicago's College Tailgate. Every week we're giving you the best of college football conversation right here on ESPN 1000 at the ESPN app. Follow us on our Facebook page. It's uh, Facebook.com, Chicago's College Tailgate, or at ESPN 1000 CCT. The big news coming out today, as far as Chicago is concerned, is that is Khalil Mack is a Chicago Bear, Adam. And uh, again, a positive in the right direction for the Bears. Many years, the Bears would pass on something like this. But I know that there is some blowback. There always is going to be blowback when it comes to the future. And my thought on that is, is that is that even with a stacked, as you mentioned before, an NFC North because we're talking about a Rogers, we're talking about uh, Matt Stafford, we're we're looking at um, you know what the Minnesota Vikings could be. Point is, is that you got to jumpstart your program at some point, and if you're the Bears, if Khalil Mack can be able to to
4: help your defense, all the better. Can I give you my favorite hot takes from the news cycle that is Khalil Mack coming uh, to the Bears? How about you fire away there, Apollo? Th- this is this is my favorite. Go my favorite it. part is as soon as this deal comes out, you just tweet. Good morning, Chicago Bears fans, right? And people just start firing the hot takes, right? And what they give up and all this kind of stuff. My favorite hot takes in ranking order, number three. <laughs> no, I, we, I, I just came off the cuff, so I know Eric's not ready with drum rolls or anything like that.
2: No, please go ahead. Number I mean, three. Yeah, just carry on. They're give an, auto- us the hot takes, they're an right? automatic
4: playoff team, guys. Automatic. Automatic playoff team. Don't have Aaron Rodgers uh, in the uh, Packers uh, in this uh, division or the Super Bowl contending uh, Minnesota Vikings. Just an uh, automatic playoff team. Take that, Adam. Right? Yeah, take Uh, it. Guys, we went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. (laughs) Hot take favorite, hot take number two. We went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. That's factually correct. Find me Brian Urlacher on this team. Find me Pina um, Tillman on this team. Hmm. Where's Pina Tillman on this team? Where's Mike Brown on this team? Where's Tommy Harris on this team? That's a good point. Okay. Uh, my favorite hot take uh, coming in number one of my favorite hot takes about the Khalil Mack trade is the Bears can't draft in the first round anyway, so we might as well just trade them so just for give Khalil away the Mack. Picks. <laughs> and those. Are my favorite well, Khalil Mack. Contents. Here's the
3: key, Jonathan. Uh, this team hasn't made the playoffs since 2010. Under Ryan Pace, they're 14-34. and 34. Yes. That's not good. The fact that now you land a top-five player on defense to add to what you have already, the collection of young talent that you already have, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks. Uh, it, it is exciting as a Bears fan because now you know this defense is going to be for real. They should be able to get to the quarterback, which is such a important thing in today's NFL based on all the passing and all the great quarterbacks in the league, especially in your division. Right Now you have someone who can go get that guy. Now, if the defense is set, as we look towards this season now that we're on to Packer Week and the season's just a week away, can the offense actually produce, like we all hope and, and dream of, Seeing all the pieces add to Mitch Trubisky and the new head coach, Matt Nagy, in this off season, And if it doesn't, it's what I've seen as a Bears
2: fan for almost all my life. Yes, yeah, B- that's because, what but, it is. But, yeah. but, but what you're
3: trying to do is,
2: in the best teams, have the best balance. I talked to Waddle about this in, in Crosstalk when I was in there, what, two weeks ago? Where, where, and I, I said that there are some teams, like the Oklahoma Raiders, and I'm going to talk about the Raiders in, in, in just a moment, that don't really value having... Quality on both sides of the football. The, to me, that increases your chances of being able to win a, a an NFL uh, Super Bowl championship, or at least it'd be in the mix in the playoffs. What what the Oakland Raiders did it shows me that John Gruden, with his ten year contract, with his Super Bowl haircut, just like his general manager and his ah. owner. The, to me, they don't value defense. How is it that you allow Khalil Mack? A guy that is top five in his position, top three in his position to walk away for him to to be traded like this now the raiders i don 't know if they 're necessarily ready to win this year, but I know that the door is open for them because their quarterback is good mm-hmm. but, but 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 the thing is is that once again. A guy like John Gruden, completely behind the times, allowing Khalil Mack to to walk, meaning that we'll just get done offense. We'll just outscore everybody. Well, you know what? You're just not good enough to just outscore people yet. And so, to me, you still need building blocks on the defensive side of the football in order to have that balance.
4: They drafted for depth behind Khalil Mack in this Draft. I, I, his name escapes me right now, but I know that they're defensive and that they drafted. But you got
2: the genuine article right there in
4: Khalil Mack. No, I understand that. And also, well, it's to me, not even it, it's, that he's a top five player on defense. But is it that they don't you value, just let them walk out the door? Is it that they don't value defense or they're not going to pay players?
2: Well, they're not going to pay for defense like they're going to pay for a quarterback. Oh, for sure. And, and that is the. And uh, to me, that's the philosophy for a lot of teams. They're just going to try to go all in on offense and then it, if we'll just outscore teams because our offense
4: is so awesome. And that's not necessarily the way to go. I don't think. Well, you look at look at the Jaguars. Look at what they did. They had Blake Bortles at a quarterback. Look at their defense. Look at what Minnesota did with their defense. Those are teams that have made Super Bowl runs, that have, that have made the playoffs, that have gone in, into the playoffs with a better defense than their offense. And that's basically what the Bears have now. Are they a playoff team? I don't know. I don't know if the offense has enough, because I haven't seen it yet, to be able to beat the teams in their own division. Are the games going to be a lot lower scoring now? Yes, absolutely, because the Bears have a top-five defense probably with Khalil Mack. But you also have to face teams that have good defenses and have top-tier quarterbacks. In their, in their division, they have three top-tier quarterbacks. You have Matthew Stafford twice, Aaron Rodgers twice, you have uh, Kirk Cousins twice now, you have to face Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to face Tom Brady, you have to face all these good quarterbacks, so now they've taken care of that issue. The issue is the other side of the ball now. Can they score? Well, okay, so you mentioned, Jonathan, how they don't value
3: the defensive stars like they do a quarterback. Neither, my question neither, is this. Neither,
2: neither did the Rams until they signed
3: well, Donald yeah, Aaron, at the last yeah. minute. Okay, uh, my question is this. Are we sure about Derek Carr? Because they've hitched their wagon to a quarterback that I think some across the NFL are just unsure about. He had a really good season and then followed it up with a clunker. So I'm not sure. Like here here's my question, right? You're unsure about this quarterback, but you have the real deal in Khalil Mack, someone that I think everyone can agree upon. He is worth it. He yes. is absolutely a star player. But you are paying instead Derek Carr. For a quarterback that you hope that John Gruden can fix and change and, and get the most out of, which he probably will. The point being is, I, how much is the difference that you value the two, right? Like, would you rather have the player who you know who he is, even though he's not a quarterback, or take a flyer on a quarterback and just ship everything in. off? Go all in. And, yeah, and, right, right.
2: It just shows you how far behind the times John Gruden is. I would even call him this summer. Mm-hmm. try to reach out to him once. Yeah, he's not available, but I don't have an ESPN producer to get him for me, so I you know, I mean <laughs> because pretty much. I mean, that's he's just waiting for like an ESPN waiting producer to, to, just, to it up. just to kind of trot down to the trailer and bring Khalil Mack to him. Well, that's not how it works in coaching.
4: Didn't he guarantee Mack, that that that? he would be in camp? Didn't his, his pre-camp presser, didn't he say I guarantee Khalil Mack will be in camp? Yep. How'd Listen, that work out? if two things
3: happened over uh, the off season in coaching, both college and NFL that I I can guarantee you will be train wrecks by the end. It will be John Gruden with the Oakland Raiders and Herm Edwards at ASU. Oh. oh. Those are both going to be train wrecks, are they not? Well... Can I
2: just see Herm for a year? <laughs> Hold on now. They're playing tonight on, on FS1. We've got to keep
3: our eyes on that because mm-hmm. they're going to be playing late tonight, around 9 o'clock. As right? an SC fan, I'm just happy for what they did. That's fantastic. <laughs> In the she, Pac-12 South. That's she may not true. be a good coach,
2: but he'll That's teach those kids fantastic. how to be men.
3: <laughs> Chicago's
2: College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. The ESPN app, Jonathan, Chris, and Adam with you, broadcasting live from the Fort Woods Casino here at the k Grill. Uh, let us hear from Brett Edwards, who we just heard from uh, before we came on the air. Brett Edwards is a college football analyst for ESPN and ESPN.com. He gave his thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide.
5: I think there are a couple things. Um, one, let's go, let's go back to the drafts. Um, and, and I think everyone, uh, even if you've just been a casual observer, would have no trouble believing that Alabama's had more players that drafted than anyone over the last 10 years. But after this most recent draft, The total number of five-star high school players who have, you know, signed anywhere in, you know, with uh, college football teams over the last, I think it was 12 years, the ones who have since become draft eligible, the, uh, the five stars signed by Alabama, I I think it was 48% of them have been drafted in the first round. Everyone else, every other five-star that didn't sign with Alabama over that time period, 17% of them were drafted in the first round. So one thing that tells you that Nick Saban not only gets the best players, but he does a better job developing them, um, helping them get even better than anyone else. And so that's that's one thing that stands out to me. And the second thing is along those lines of complacency is, is that uh, Alabama goes into the season opener against Louisville, having won 73 consecutive games against unranked teams in the ap poll in fact you got to go back to 2007 to find the last time that they even lost to a team outside of the top 20. alabama's gone more than 10 years without having that game where they just came out flat and got knocked off by a team that had no business playing with and that i i think as much as anything is the key to this dynasty which is that they have not given away a game. Somewhere, and that's why they are they are in the national championship hunt almost every November.
2: So, Brad Edwards, what his thoughts about the Alabama Crimson Tide as you uh, puff
4: up your chest with pride with mm-hmm. all those numbers that Brad just gave out? Music to my ears. Did he mention that they're nine and one against the spread in these openers since Saban is uh, taking over in Alabama? That was later in the interview. That oh, it was later in the interview. Yes, that was later yeah. on the interview. But it we was... we decided to just cut it off right there because <laughs> I think that those
2: numbers seventy three. 73 was the big I'm number I'm talking about there.
4: what matters. you got to
2: cover for the boosters, Jonathan. Come on. Well, there's no question about that. Again, that's going to be one of the big games tonight as the Crimson Tide takes on Louisville in Orlando, Florida. And so, the, so, okay, so I want you to address, because now you have the forum, because you have the big show here with Chicago's College Tailgate. Please address what you have gone through this week. Is it been host? Is it been, been people on Twitter coming after you about <laughs> Alabama and the schedule? What has been the, the scuttle? I've been on vacation,
4: but I've been reading this stuff. Name names.
2: What, what what's been going on?
4: Yes. Tell me about it's it. It's been all of no, it's been all of the above. It's been listen, I, I, I am done. I'm done. I'm not going to fight people. No. I, I was, the, the Don't night be college, done. We're off at 530. the 530. Well, yeah, but the night college football started on Thursday night, I was just like, a, like an angry, the, one of those crying, angry kids just fighting with my eyes closed, just punching at the air, fighting with people at Twitter <laughs> on Alabama. So here's what I'm going to say, and this is going All to right. be from okay. now yeah. until the national championship. Until next week. Okay? You want to you talk about Alabama? You want to yeah. talk crap about Alabama? Uh-huh. Okay? Make the playoff and come beat them. Then we'll talk, okay? You because don't have anything more. No. What do you want me to say? That's it. They have an embarrassment of riches on defense, and now they have an embarrassment of riches on offense. How many core? How many teams would rather would ha- would take Jalen Hurts as their starter over their current starter, Chris? How many? Uh, I would guess that
3: you probably uh, you would go down the list of the top twenty five, and you'd probably stop at Wisconsin. Okay. So probably uh, <laughs> you'd <laughs> probably you get to four, and you'd probably say, "All right,
4: I'd probably rather have Jalen Hurts." There you go. So uh, listen. They're the best team in the country right now. I think Clemson might actually, with their experience, they've got a lot. Of, they've got a much better defense. Uh, Alabama returns the second fewest amount of starters to their defense in the country this year. So I think they're going to have they're going to struggle at first on defense. I think they're, they're one of these teams that because they're so good. They can take a while to get their stuff together Mm -hmm. because they're still going to win games. They're going to have a great offense this year. The reason they keep going through recruits, we see Jeremy Pruitt keep going through coaches, is because they're so good. good. We see Jeremy Pruitt. Look at the SEC now. It's littered with ex-Alabama coaches. Saban offspring. Saban offspring. And you know what? None of them can create the next Alabama. Kirby's trying to do it over at Georgia. Can he do it? I don't know. Jeremy Pruitt's going to try to do it over here at Tennessee. You don't think Dabo's do it? doing
3: it at Clemson?
4: Well, he might be. That cupcake schedule, I don't know. Here's what uh, Abdallah's
3: not ranting and raving about, and Jonathan, this is what might get them. Do you know who's a analyst on the uh, group of assistant coaches working under Nick Saban this season? Who? Because this this might sneak up and get you at some point. Okay. You got Butch Jones there. You think that's going to
4: help? When has an assistant ever snuck up and got Jones. Did, when, did Butch Lane? Jones. Did Lane? Everybody said the same thing when Lane came there. Still a good play there. caller, though. Everybody said the same thing when Lane got there. Oh, look. Oh, ha, ha. ha look at Alabama. They got Lane Kiffin. Guess what? He's a coach at FAU now,
2: making moves. Yeah, people. I, Jim Ross is making fun of uh, Lane Kiffin <laughs> here after Oklahoma took That's him to the fine. woodshed. <laughs> <But> look, Jim, <laughs> Jim was like, I'm looking forward to taking on Lane Kiffin. His pretty little hair, his pretty little, pretty little hat.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you see, he was, he was ready for FAU today. So if, you're, if you want to come and talk, your team can beat Alabama, we, make the playoff, and then beat Alabama. Here's, the thing, I don't,
2: here's the thing I don't want to say. We've got a scoreboard here, but I, let me just say this. I don't know why you are just taking this in stride. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: you don't have to fight anyone when you're on the top of the mountain. Exactly. I, I,
4: I, I'm, I'm a Georgia fan. I don't fight you only no, because you don't. we're in the same conference. That's yeah. why I, we had a we had a great banter during the uh, championship game. Yes, we did, and that's fine. You know why? Because I block out all the haters. I can't hear them because these rings are so loud.
2: Every every Alabama fan besides you, I know, just takes a stride like, "Well, that's nice," but but you, I mean, you're fighting these people. You're fighting with Kaplan on this too. Yeah. It, he well, just Cap, never Cap, stops you know, with this. Cap I mean. just
4: Cap doesn't get it. Cap's a fan of who he's friends with. So he's friends with Michigan State. He's going he's to be fans of Michigan State. He met Dabo once, so now he's a Clemson fan for some reason. He went to Croatia, so now he's a big Croatia f- uh, fan. He's got that jersey, that All long right. NBA jersey. World All tight. right,
2: Tongo Viola or Jalen Hurts. We'll get into that coming up after Chris Black and the CCT scoreboard. The
3: CCT scoreboard on ESPN 1000. It's now fi- final, Ohio State 77-31 oh, over Oregon State. So so close. Uh, they are back playing now. The lightning delay is over between Maryland and Texas. Maryland's still up two, thirty-one to twenty nine with twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. Georgia's up twenty four to nothing on Austin P with nine twenty nine left in the second quarter. Right now down nine. Auburn's up twelve to three on Washington with eight minutes left in the second quarter. Guys, I told you before the show, this one's gonna be closer than the experts think. Right now UNLV leads USC 7 to 6. Still early in the first quarter, guys. 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. Still early. Your face but, is red. But like I told you, this is going to be a struggle. Oh
2: baby. Like the
4: ne- his neck is oh, turning. Oh baby. Red.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Speaking of struggling, how about A- Appalachian State leading over Penn State? 10-7 to um, right now in the first quarter. James Franklin's under- overrated. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse right me. now, uh, 10-7 Allergies. is the score. West Virginia and Tennessee as well. James Franklin overrated. Wow. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was a sneeze. Sorry. I was up 3 0 on Northern Illinois, and that's the uh, scoreboard at this moment. I, t- I told you guys about UNLV. A 71 yard touchdown run for UNLV because the defense for the Trojans Whoa. is trash. Wow. wow.
2: Chicago's College tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Apples. We broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend. We've got some giveaways here for those that stopped by the casino.
4: If you want to come by, say hi to us, play some games, watch some games, you can win a ticket. Uh, we have Two pairs of tickets to Ball State and Notre Dame, September 8th, and one pair of tickets to Vanderbilt and Notre Dame, September 15th. All brought to you by the Four Winds Casino in South Bend, Four Seasons Heating and Cooling, Zip Recruiter, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois.
2: All right, when we return, we will talk about the quarterback quandary that's taking place at Alabama. Who will play? Who will get more playing time? And we'll also get into a little bit of what's going on with the Heisman. Who could win the Heisman this upcoming season? We'll talk about it coming up next with uh, Jonathan Kristen I'm broadcasting live from the Four Winds Casino at the Kankakee Grill, Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000.
0: And now, live from the Kankakee Grill at the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. It's Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, here's Jonathan Hood.
2: Steve Silverman from Bleacher Report will be with us at the top of the hour. We'll get his thoughts about some of the night games for week one of college football. Also his, get his Khalil Mack information. Also at the uh, 435, we'll hear from Adam Rittenberg. He's in South Bend, by the way, covering uh, Michigan and uh, Notre Dame. He will join us at 435, all part of the mix right here on Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT and also on our Facebook page, Facebook.com. Tungo Viola or Jalen Hurts? Uh, that big controversy uh, over the last couple of weeks. To me, as a as, believe me, as a Georgia fan, I don't want to see any more Tungo because I know what that was like. I know how difficult it was when Tua came in with that weird left-handed windup uh, and was able to win a national championship over my Bulldogs. But you know, it, unlike the NFL, when you do have um, two quarterbacks, you can make it work. And I know it's hard for Saban doesn't want to give up the game plan, but. Whoever plays the most, they should be able to flourish against Louisville, right?
4: Well, Jonathan, it's about who wins the team. Who's going Who's going to make the effort to win the team? That's the new and, That's the new score. And, that's the new score of the ball. And, and that's yeah, right. Whoever wins the team is going to set himself apart from the other, and and he will win the day and win the quarterbacks. Actually, actually, it doesn't matter because um, Jalen Hurts is twenty six and two as a starter at Alabama, so. If he starts, it's fine. Eventually, he's not going to. It's Tua. is the better quarterback. is a Heisman favorite. He is the better quarterback. He's by far wow. the better quarterback.
3: You know, you dig into the numbers, and this Alabama offense was outstanding last year, and I don't think people realize they were fourth in overall offensive efficiency last mm-hmm. year. So you say, okay, we can swap out the quarterback with someone who might be better. This offense and this team might be better than anyone ever expected anyway. Like this might be one of those situations where once Tua gets the spot and he's the guy and the offense starts rolling, it might be they're the best team in the country and everyone else is playing for the final 3 positions in the college football playoff and you're trying to avoid the last
4: spot so you don't have to play Alabama in that first playoff game. I personally believe that Tua will start and not come out. I think that he's going that Saban is going to say well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have Tua, and until he proves otherwise, we're going to keep him as a starter. That's he's just not going to mean.
3: Saban just did that so Hertz doesn't transfer. That's tra- mean. He's going to transfer on, at the end of the
2: year on, anyway. Saban. He's going
4: to transfer at the end of the year but anyway. I, but
2: I think that that's why he's doing this, why yeah. he's playing very close to the guest. Of course. He of course. He, he, he want, if he thinks that Tungo Viola is, uh, is the future, cool. But he's, he says that both are going to play. He said both are going to play in this game mm-hmm. against Louisville. And, and if they get an extended lead, I think you will see Jalen Hurts at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So that's just – it's interesting how this has all developed the last couple of weeks and who's going to play, who's going to – because the Alabama uh, press has been all over it. And so – Either way, this should be a win for Alabama. Win the team.
3: Win, win the team. You sound like you're straight out of Varsity Blues. Win or something like
2: that. the team. We're SEC guys. Sometimes <laughs> we just kind of go into the Southern draw. <laughs> got to win the team. Hey, got, got hood here? over. Got hood over here. He's also a Tennessee guy. <laughs> we just kind of just get it. We
4: just kind of just talking a Southern draw. Down here, it just means more. Unless you're Washington, in which case it means a <laughs> lot today. Lord. Today means a lot Lord. more. Well,
3: it looks like the uh, Pac-12's hopes are just going up in smoke left and right here yeah
2: right with five minutes left for the half auburn leading washington 12 to 6 all right coming up we will hear from steve silverman from bleach report getting his thoughts on some of the night games for week one and also get his thoughts on khalil mack being with the chicago Bears. that's next with chris and adam It's jonathan chicago's college tailgate live from the uh, four winds casino in south bend on espn 1000
0: Is your home for Chicago's college tailgate and the home for Fighting Irish football? ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. You're listening to Chicago's college tailgate on ESPN One Thousand
2: and the ESPN app, along with Chris Bleck and John of the Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at the K K Grill. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT and also on the Facebook page. Look for Chicago's College Tailgate on the Facebook page as well. We've got giveaways as well here at the Four Winds Casino.
4: That's right. We just gave away a pair of tickets to Notre Dame and Vanderbilt September 15th. We have two pairs of tickets left for the Ball State game September 8th coming up next weekend. All brought to you by the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Four Seasons Heating and Cooling, Zip Recruiter, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois.
2: So a big move by the Chicago Bears is they trade for Khalil Mack, Chris. And to me, I just think that you have to look for a difference maker. If he's available, you go for it. The Bears defense, I think, already was pretty solid. But having someone like Khalil Mack, the genuine article, a guy that can really uh, increase what you're already doing defensively, No no matter what you're giving up for it, I think it's a win-win. That's more valuable right now than the draft picks.
3: And I love the move, Jonathan, because we're in a big city with real aspirations of being a championship contender, right? And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you wake up today, you find out that the Bears have now traded for Khalil Mack. You have a legit star on your defensive line, and you have someone that can go after, get the quarterback, one of the top five defensive players in all the league, and now you have him. On the lakefront, and it's fantastic for this defense because many of us, even though some of the stats said that this team was a top-ten defense in efficiency rating, DVOA, they were 14th, so about middle of the pack, just a little bit above average. You look at it overall, this is a fantastic move for the Chicago Bears, and once again, Ryan Pace sees something he wants. He goes and gets the deal done
2: college football tailgate glad that you're with us here on espn 1000 and the espn app we turn now to bleach report and also cbs and we can go to steve silverman he's with us on chicago's college tailgate here on espn 1000 and the espn app as we broadcast live from the four winds casino here in south bend steve jonathan adam and chris thanks so much for your time
6: Hey guys, how you doing? Glad to be here. Absolutely. Uh,
2: before we get your college football information, we want to get your thoughts on Khalil Mack. When you saw the news that the Bears have traded for Khalil Mack, what was your initial reaction?
6: It, my first reaction was, wow, this guy is a game changer on defense, and uh, he will give the Bears a presence they haven't had on defense for a while. They 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 have a good defense to begin with, but good in small letters. Uh, Khalil Mack is a butt kicker. He will come in there. He will get his sacks. He will make everyone around that team even more dangerous than they are. I think it's really good news for Leonard Floyd and, you know, team Hicks, a tremendous pro as it is. But you have this guy around. The Bears suddenly are a dangerous defensive team, and if they don't screw things up too much on offense, they could have a winning record this year. It's a, it's big news on the Lake club.
4: Speaking of offense, what does this move and giving up the first two-round picks say about their commitment to Mitchell Trubisky? It,
6: well, it, it's more Adam Gase saying, we better win now or I'm not going to have a job much longer. Uh, that That's what it says to me. And it also says, you know, they can have a winning season if they can you know, pick it up just a little bit, well, how are you going to make your improvements in the future? I think it's going to have to be through free agency and really good middle and late-round drafting since you're not going to have those first rounders. So, uh, you know, there's ways around it, but, but the big improvement must come right away.
3: Steve, when you take a look at this defense, adding Khalil Mack, how good can the defense be? Can it be at the same level that Minnesota, Philadelphia, the Rams were last season? Can they be that good?
6: I think they can be, you know, somewhere after the top five. You know, it's going to take a while uh, for everybody to mesh. Uh, Khalil Mack holding out all summer, coming to a new team. He's not going to be at his best in September. And and there could be some games early on where the defense doesn't look good. But they need to find their stride sometime in October, you know, uh, uh, back to – Back to the old Lovey Smith's way of looking at the season in the second quarter of the season. That's when they really have to find their stride and then really sprint the last half of the year and become very, very good. I mean, by that point, who knows? You know, it'll take them a while to get to their best. But I think that once he gets used to the team, his teammates, uh, oh, we haven't even talked about it. You know, the fact that Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, you have one of the best defensive coordinators makes this defense even that much better.
2: Steve Silverman from Bleacher Report and CBS with uh, Jonathan, Adam, and Chris as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino at the Kiki Grill, Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Steve, as we look forward to Michigan-Notre Dame, that's why we're here in South Bend here, How, what, what is your outlook for the game, uh, especially from a number standpoint? Where do, you, what, do you have Michigan Is it two and a 2.5? How did you see that number coming in, and what are your thoughts on the yeah. game?
6: Well, you know, if we look at it from a personnel standpoint, I think that that line is right. I think even though Michigan's on the road, uh, I just think that that defense looks so good right now for Michigan. I think that's going to be the strongest part of the team, and I think both of these teams are built very similar. Notre Dame has a good defense, and that should be their strongest part, but I think Michigan looks stronger. Um, I, I, I like Shea Patterson, the quarterback coming in for Michigan. Uh, you know, the transfer, I think he's good, but he needs to be better than good if this is going to be a great season for Michigan. But here, here's, here, here are some of the interesting numbers. Michigan is 10 and one straight up in their last 11 games as a road favorite. So, uh, you know, that, that works in their favor, but what works against them, this game is at Notre Dame, and the visiting team is three and thirteen in this series. You know, it hasn't, they haven't played for a while, but uh, it, the visitors haven't fared well. So, I, I in this game, I really look at it more from a personnel standpoint than than from the numbers breakdown because they're about even both ways. So, I'm taking Michigan minus the two and a half points in this game.
4: This early in the season, what metric do you turn to the most when making your selections, whether it be uh, for Michigan, Notre Dame, or any other game this first weekend of college football?
6: I think, you know, basically you do have to look at the at the numbers and the trends. I've always liked the, uh, the trends quite a bit, especially in college football a little bit more than the pros. And I think early in the season, um, it's hard to, to make those personnel judgments on on most teams, but I think these two teams are close. I think these two teams, you know, you really have a good feel for them because they're national teams and they're always under the microscope. So we have to look at it from a personnel standpoint. But uh, for example, we're, you know, at the same time that Michigan and Notre Dame are playing Louisville's playing Alabama and I am not going to go against Alabama in the opener, 9 and 1 against the spread in their last 10 openers. And, you know, the, the very best team in the country with the very best coach. Uh, th- that makes me say I'm going with Alabama. I will swallow hard and lay the 23 and a half points there.
3: Sunday night, you have Miami and LSU. That should be a closer game and it's a closer line. Which way are you leaning between the Hurricanes and the Tigers tomorrow night?
6: Yeah. I think that is a very, very tight game. Uh, but I like the home team. You know, we're going to Death Valley. Uh, they're, yeah. uh, they're underdogs at home, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. So I think you got to go with LSU uh, in that game. Although, you know, the, the turnover chain crew, if they get a couple early, they, that could uh, blow up in our faces big time. But I like LSU at home in Death Valley. That's that's usually a good way to go. So and like I said, early in the season we like to go with those trends and, and LSU is a home dog. That's a good one. And I know guys, you know, a lot of a lot of fans uh, for the late games tonight, they'll be looking to catch up. And we always like to look at Hawaii and Hawaii's <laughs> a ten and a half point home underdog to Navy. Yeah. That game I'm staying away from. But Arizona's a ten point home favorite to BYU. Give me BYU and the 10. Well, that's the game that will save us tonight. Oh. BYU plus 10. I'll
2: always need a little something extra. A little for safety sure. game. Got to yes. catch up. Yeah, the yeah. safety game. Okay, how about, yeah. this? how about this, Steve? I said this earlier. Tell me if you agree. Washington right now is trailing Auburn. I said that if Washington can't win this game, that this will, um, this will be negative for the Pac-12 in which the Pac-12 – will not be able to have someone in the Final Four and a chance for the national championship. If Washington loses, there won't be a Pac-12 team in the Final Four.
6: Well, that's, I mean, I, you know, the Pac-12 has not exactly been a glamour conference in terms of having a shot at the national title in recent years. Uh, when Washington got to the playoffs, they got absolutely destroyed a couple of years ago. So even to me, even if they win this game, you know, do they have the consistency to uh, to go through a whole season losing no more than one game? Uh, and I think they're, you know, by far and away the best team in the Pac-12 this year. So I, I doubt very much they will get there. And the fact that they're hanging in there with Auburn is a is pretty good sign so far. But will they, will they last 60 minutes? I tend to doubt it today.
4: Going back to Michigan-Notre Dame, it's going to be, like you mentioned, a battle of the defenses since we don't know really what we're getting uh, from the quarterback position. It's supposed to be a little bit rainy later on uh, in South Bend. What do you make of the total at 46 right now?
6: That's uh, that's tough. Um, I, I like both defenses, but you know if either one of the quarterbacks get off to a good start, there could be a lot more scoring than than we're expecting and, and you know twenty seven twenty four puts it over the total. So I, I think, you know, this game is very likely uh twenty three seventeen. I'm leaning more towards the under, but that's that's always a, a really tough call early in the season. I feel pretty confident about Michigan. I think they are the better team you know, the the more spectacular defense so uh, they are likely to play a stronger game and not give up the big plays, but you get a couple of defensive touchdowns that turn things around as well. So uh, I, I, would, I would much more concentrate on the on the game itself than the total, but if push comes to shove, I guess I will take the under.
2: Steve, as always, we appreciate your time, and we'll continue to read you on Bleach Report. Thanks for coming on the show.
6: Anytime, guys. Happy to do it. Then uh, enjoy your show.
2: Absolutely, Uh, Steve Silverman from Bleacher Report and CBS with us on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Jonathan, Chris, and Adam broadcasting live from the Kenkey Grill at the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend, Indiana. So glad that you're with us, and um, we are ready for a scoreboard here. We got to keep people up to date with what's going on. There's a couple of games a little closer than I
3: thought, Chris. Let's get to that
4: now. So mean.
3: All right, here's the uh, college football scoreboard, Jonathan. And uh, as you're talking about, uh, Washington just scored. The score is now 15-13. to 13. Auburn with the lead. About 40 seconds left in the second quarter, about to head to halftime. So Washington's only down by two now in that one. And we were just talking about it, guys, how Washington needs this game. They want someone from the Pac-12 to get to the college football playoff because, again, it's closer than the experts think. Nine minutes left in the second quarter. UNLV leads USC 14-12. to USC can only kick field goals apparently this season. Texas, Maryland still playing. Uh, four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Texas is down by five, 34-29. Abdallah, I hear you laughing over there. Stop laughing at USC. It's pathetic.
4: You're handling this a lot better than I would if Alabama at, would at, be at, losing. Sir, at halftime, Penn
3: State, Appalachian State tied at ten. <laughs> Washington, I mean, West Virginia, Tennessee, West Virginia, 13-7 to at halftime. And in the Big Ten, Iowa is playing Northern Illinois right now. They're at halftime as well, 3 nothing Iowa. I mean, but le- listen, here's the deal with did, USC. Did, did you give USC uh, is sorry Don't just no oh, oh. Did you give the Georgia score? Georgia's at halftime as well, Jonathan. Come and uh, Georgia's up big. Uh, Georgia's yeah. up thirty-eight, nothing on Austin Peay. That's a How top- about
2: you schedule harder games? <laughs> That's a tough P team. I'll tell you that right
3: now, that P team is tough. So what did I tell go, you guys Pete. when we Let's started go, here? Pete. USC always underperforms. They have a. True freshman quarterback, JT Daniels, right now on the day, he's 9 of 16, 80 yards. It seems as if USC cannot do anything once they get near the red zone. Uh, They have four field goals, 12 points, and they've given up 14, the UNLV, a team that is not very good. This is disaster on the horizon for the Pac-12 right now. USC losing to UNLV and Washington down to Auburn before halftime.
4: Yeah, it's not a good look for uh for the Pac-12, especially with Oregon State going down and you've got I mean Oregon could be decent this year, but no. all, all hopes rely on this Washington Auburn game as Washington now trailing Auburn 15 to 13, still early though, a whole half of football left. I, I like that Appalachian State
2: cuz you always need that one or two, right, in the first mm-hmm. couple weeks of the season like you remember Michigan yeah. losing to uh with A-G-I-T, was it? No, they lost to Appalachian, Appalachian State. State, Appalachian Appalachian State, State right? So t- as you, 10-10 at the half. Penn State. I already again. Crossed Trace, off. Trace
3: McSorley is uh, 9 for 17 with only 69 yards right <laughs> nice. now in the first um, half.
4: I nice. already crossed off Washington from my, uh, my playoff teams. Don't make me cross off Trace McSorley I mean, from my Heisman. <laughs> this is I, unbelievable. I don't, I don't want to have to do that. Because right now we're keeping an eye on the Washington-Auburn game. Auburn just looks like the better team right now. They look like the more physical team. They look like they have been handling Washington the way Washington usually gets handled by Big Ten teams and by SEC teams, and that is they usually are struggling to score, not being able to run the ball, and struggling on offense altogether. And that's what we've seen so far in this game as Auburn leads Washington a few seconds before halftime here, 15-13. Uh, to 13.
3: You all right, buddy? Well, I mean, the USC secondary is Swiss cheese, and we knew that last year. They can't do anything, and and we're seeing highlights now of UNLV just tearing them up for the two touchdowns that they have. All right. I mean,
4: this is going to be a problem this it's season. It's like a soft avocado out there at USC. <laughs> you are listening brown, to Chicago. Brown avocado. Uh,
2: and I resemble that remark as yes, you're listening to yeah. Chicago's college tailgate here on ESPN 1000. Mushy. You resemble that. Mushy. Al- along with al- – <laughs> It's a mushy avocado. Along with Adam and Chris, Jonathan Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend. Let's take a look at guys at the Heisman Watch. You mentioned uh, Trace McSorley and again. Uh, because James Franklin's overrated, uh, he's going to be able to wow. try to get the job done here with Penn State. Well, How do you see the Heiser watch, Chris?
3: Okay, so in the first couple of days of this season, Mackenzie Milton was fantastic for Central Florida. I think that's someone who we have to watch at quarterback because he went 24-32 with 346 yards, five touchdowns on Thursday night against UConn. I know UConn's not that great but putting up the 56 points and looking really good. Central Florida, looking like the national champs they were last season with their undefeated season. I know. Did you hear that, Abdallah? Uh, I, I think that's someone we have to watch, Mackenzie Milton. And then also last night, Friday night, Jonathan Taylor was pretty good as well. 18 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns as Wisconsin beat Western Kentucky 34-13 to last night.
2: Uh, anything that stands out to you, Adam, as far as the Heisman watch is concerned?
3: Well, Tua hasn't played yet. Okay. Thanks for helping with the segment, Abdallah.
2: I saw him as a 4-1 favorite, it was Adam, for yeah. the Heisman? Yeah. he hasn't.
4: He, I don't know if he's going to start tonight, but he, he has not played yet. So as of right now, the Heisman favorite has yet to take the field. If you look at uh, Bryce Love, he went 18 carries for 29 yards yesterday. So I don't know if that takes him out of the running against the San Diego State uh, team, but it certainly doesn't help his cause and then I like Trace McSorley because I liked Penn State's chances this year so far tied with Appalachian State that could change as they go into the second half but I think Trace McSorley is one of the best quarterbacks in the country I think if Penn State can make the playoff they're one of my my sneaky playoff teams if they can make the playoff it will be because he has to have a Heisman like season So if my theories are correct that they could make the playoff, then I think he can be a Heisman candidate. So that's my list right now. A
3: couple other names you may hear with the Heisman conversation. Will Greer for West Virginia. Mm -hmm. So far today he's 9 of 15, 154 yards and a touchdown. As West Virginia leads Tennessee 13 to 7. Uh, You also might hear Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson, that he didn't start the game. Uh, Brian Kelly... Um, Started the game. Yep. Trevor Lawrence comes in. He goes nine of fifteen, 137 yards, three touchdowns for Clemson. So I get they didn't play it, anyone. They played two, Furman,
2: but it's, it's quarterback controversy there at Clemson in Clemson. Correct. a play? Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Dwayne Haskins for Ohio State today had five touchdowns. He went 22 of 30. 313 yards, so the quarterback for the Buckeyes. Five touchdowns today as Ohio State beats Oregon State, 77-31. So how do you guys
2: look at the Big Ten? Again, it's early here, but we've already saw on Thursday how Northwestern was able to go on the road and be able to win as well as Michigan State last night as Adam was sweating it out. A little keeping our eyes on Michigan State as they defeated Utah State 38-31. So Mark D'Antonio. It just, I, I, you
4: know, it just, can you give me a dominant Michigan State Never. season? Never. They like, always struggle early in the season. They always struggle. It's always a struggle for Michigan State.
2: I, I mean, a lot of times it comes out as a victory, but boy, I tell you, you almost want to go the other way from a, um, from a gambling standpoint
3: because Michigan State keeps us so close. The positive with Sparty, though, is they do that with anyone. If they're playing the best team in the country, they keep it close. If they're playing someone that's terrible, they keep it close. And that's the positive, I think. Isn't that the nice way to look at it? A win, you'll take it, absolutely. Yeah, right. But are you,
2: are you restaurant quality when it comes to being in the Final Four, if you even get there to the
3: top? Well, Jonathan, a lot of hype around this team, especially in the last couple of weeks, is every, everyone started to do their previews and talk about schedules. And you look at the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten East, A lot of people are suggesting that Michigan State is a team that could get to the playoff at some point in this season. I think
4: that the cream is going to rise to the top, though. That's how how it always is. It's just Wisconsin-Ohio State. Wisconsin won 34-3, and then we all know what Ohio State did today, beating up on Oregon State. 77 points from Ohio State to 31, beating Oregon State. So those are the two best teams, and I think that they're going to remain the two best teams. Yeah, Penn State might win a few games. I think that if they can beat Ohio State, I think if they can win and win their schedule I think that they can make it to the playoff they're a team that is good enough and have a good enough schedule that they could Wisconsin might be not not be as good as they were last season but I still think Ohio State's the best team
2: I think when it comes to Wisconsin Chris you know the big question I had coming into this season was will there be a a situation where Wisconsin is in the title pitcher under Paul Crist in the Paul Crist era will there be a, a a Wisconsin team we will see in the final four I think that there's a lid on their success. Hundred and twenty two wins over the last twelve years. You'll like it, right? In the post Alvarez era. Ten you know, you take a look at what they've done in the top twenty five, you know, it, it's just to me, being in round ten or twelve is good, but it's not where Wisconsin should be. Again, we can I'll talk about their schedule and, and make fun of Wisconsin, but anytime time that you're in the same stratosphere as Ohio State in the Big Ten, you know, you're gonna be you're forced to be reckoned with.
3: Yeah, and Alex Hornibrook is what we're going to look at and focus on with Wisconsin because you know the running backs there. Jonathan Taylor is fantastic. He'll be a Heisman candidate. You know that Wisconsin has great line play, both offensive and defensive line play. And the way this team has been the last couple of years, they're always solid, but whether or not you get something from the quarterback. Alex Hornibrook last night, he gave you 17 of 29, 257 yards, two touchdowns. Wisconsin was pretty good last night. Again,
4: playing Western Kentucky, but they looked sharp last night. Saturday, October 13th. That's their game. On the road at Michigan. That's your measuring stick for Wisconsin. Can you go in and can that offense move the ball against one of the top defenses in the country? That's your measuring stick game. If you go in and you beat Michigan and you remain undefeated the rest of the season, I know they still have to go to Northwestern and then they have to go to Penn State. But for me, that measuring stick stick game against a top defense is going to be October 13th against Michigan.
2: You're listening to Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's hear from Anthony Heron. And Heron was on with me not too long ago, and he looked at Michigan and Notre Dame. And Anthony Heron from the Pac-12 Network does a great job covering college football. It talks about the enormity of tonight's game.
7: Michigan-Notre Dame, which we haven't gotten to see for a couple of seasons now, that's a game... That's going to initially set the table for the winner of that game to be perceived in a way that'll have them right in the thick of the college football playoff hunt. But then, especially for a team like Michigan, you know, Notre Dame is going to have a certain level of cash and respect coming into the season because of what Brandon Wimbush brings back and, you know, because of the success they came off of from last year. But then, especially for Michigan, win or lose, if, if they compete well, and especially in a victory, if Notre Dame goes on to have a successful season, then you'll see the ripple effects. Of Michigan in a non-conference game opening the season against a very tough opponent and what that'll do for their perception around the Big Ten and how the rest of the teams that Michigan ends up facing throughout the rest of the year the fact that they were able to beat Notre Dame in the opener if they pull that one off then that game will have ripple effects so that'll affect the entire Big Ten conference so I think for Notre Dame their situation's a bit different but you know, it's all basically non conference for the Irish and the Independents, so they still got Stanford on the schedule. they got an interesting game against Northwestern mixed in there somewhere. And then in November, I think they dealt with like Florida State and USC that come up on the November portion of their schedule. So there's going to be a number of different opportunities, even if there's a loss early on for the Irish, but if they can look good, especially finishing strong with some tough opponents who, even a team like Northwestern, could potentially be somewhere ranked or at least looking good in the Big Ten slate. So overall, they're finished. Their November is going to have Notre Dame's a one-loss team going into November. I think they're still going to be right there in the thick of things when you look at the college football playoff picture.
0: Chicago's College Tailgate the cct scoreboard on
3: espn 1000 i'm chris black on espn 1000 chicago's college tailgate here's the scoreboard right now maryland with a minute left up 5 34 to 29 on texas georgia at halftime 38 nothing on austin p auburn and washington at halftime auburn 15 to 13 over washington Hey, how about this? USC finally gets on the board and scores. Number 15, USC is up 19-14 to with a minute left in the second quarter on UNLV. Other scores to take a look at right now, Penn State and Appalachian State tied at 10. A couple minutes into the third quarter right now for Penn State, they are tied. At the moment, West Virginia and Tennessee... Guys, delayed because of weather uh, out of halftime. 13-7 for West Virginia. We're also keeping our eyes on Northern Illinois and Iowa. Right now, still a three-point ball game. Iowa 3, Northern Illinois nothing in the third quarter.
2: You're listening to Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah, John Hood with you. As we broadcast live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend at the K.E.K. Grill. We've got some uh, terrific giveaways here at the Four Winds Casino as well.
4: That's right. We have two pairs of tickets to Notre Dame and Ball State next weekend, September two 8th. Two pairs. Uh, four. All brought to you by the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Four Seasons Heating and Cooling, Zip Recruiter, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois.
2: Adam Rittenberg covers college football like a blanket for ESPN.com, and he joins us here on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. He's in South Bend. Uh, Adam, it is um, Jonathan, Adam, and Chris. Thanks so much for your time.
8: Oh, you bet, guys. Great to be on with you. It should be a fun night here of uh, college football. Big big opening night here for Notre Dame and Michigan.
2: I have a, a question that's going to be good for your podcast, I believe. Uh, this is a topic that we're going to bring up here with you, and then maybe this will be good for your podcast for, for next week. Do you think that the college football it. do you think the college football playoff has rendered bowl games as a consolation prize?
8: Well, it depends on the situation. I think it certainly diminished the prestige around some games that held the higher prestige maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I think for programs uh, that maybe haven't been in a certain game or are striving for Historical 10 win season. I mean, you know, just the team here tonight, Notre Dame. That was a significant win for them. They hadn't had a, you know, quote unquote New Year's Day Bowl win for quite some time here at Notre Dame. And, you know, they they struggled down the stretch last year. And so to win that game against LSU, especially in the fashion that they did, and talking to the coaches and players, that gave them momentum into the offseason, especially when they bring back so many players who were part of that. Boykin, who had the, the touchdown catch. Uh, he, he's he's here Ian Booker through the past you know, he, he he could see some action tonight at quarterback so uh, that, those games still matter but I would say certainly the overall prestige of bowl games it just isn't what it used to be because there's only attention at that time of year on the actual playoff.
4: Michigan has a much t- tougher road to the college football playoff uh, than Notre Dame. They have a very tough schedule facing the Big Ten. Is this the toughest schedule that Harbaugh has had to face in his career?
8: You know, it might be. I hadn't thought about it like that. You know, They had a tough schedule a couple of years ago uh, in 2016 and nearly uh, you know, got to the Big Ten championship game with a chance to get in the playoff. But if you think about Notre Dame, a legitimate top 15, maybe top 10 team on the road, you know they're going to face Michigan State. They didn't look very good last night, Michigan State. But that's a, always a tough game. Michigan State's really controlled that rivalry in recent years. And then they obviously have to go to Ohio State. You know, a team that they haven't won there in quite some time Have to go to Northwestern at the end of the month. And and there's just not very many easy games, Wisconsin and Penn State, both coming to the big house. So very few weeks where Michigan can just take it easy. They're going to be tested here pretty much every week, and that's why tonight's so important because they haven't won a really meaningful road game in in a long time, maybe more than a decade as far as against a top-15 team. And that's the one thing Jim Harrell hasn't done well. It's why this game is so critical for them.
3: Looking at Shea Patterson, now that he's the new quarterback at Michigan, it's not like he set the world on fire last year at Ole Miss. What are you expecting from the new quarterback at Michigan, Shea Patterson? What are you expecting tonight and for the entire season?
8: I think Ole Miss Miss offense today, they were just fine without him. But I, I think he's certainly a talented guy. To me, it really depends on the system. That they run for him and how it changes the of offenses that we've grown accustomed to Jim Harbaugh running there in Michigan. Yeah, I think the key is really how it looks to start and then if there's some struggles.
2: Hmm. Do we lose Adam? I think we might have to reconnect uh, with uh, Adam Rittenberg.
3: He's in South Bend see he 's in South Bend, too many Michigan yeah. questions, not enough Irish questions. <laughs> well, not was, enough fighting Irish questions was going be
2: that was going to be, my, that was be my, uh, <laughs> my next question was going to be an Irish question, but interesting thoughts he 's had so far,
3: yeah, and you know you look at the way michigan 's offense is. they were disappointing last year, and then for yards per play last season, they were one hundred and second in the entire country that 's not good at any program, right? And especially with Jim Harbaugh, and you look at the way this team is supposed to be improved on offense, the way they're supposed to be competing in the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and especially the Big Ten East, you need to get more production on offense. And that's something that we're going to look at the quarterback position the entire season in Shea Patterson. The
4: key for Notre Dame tonight is going to be containing Shea Patterson. Better outside of the pocket than he is inside the pocket. You have to keep him in there and force him to make decisions and go through his routes and make decisions from inside the pocket. Because once he gets outside, he was 26 of 43 outside of the pocket for for 423 yards last season, four touchdowns. He's good on the run. He's not a threat to run, but he's good when he's going side to side. It can make a play out of nowhere happen when stuff starts to break down and when his pocket breaks down, which happened a lot at Ole Miss.
3: Well, he's a dual-threat quarterback that doesn't run, which means if he's trying to get outside of the pocket, you know he's not going to run, then how much of a threat is he? like We went over the numbers last year. He ran the ball 47 times for minus 16 yards. So it's not like that he's going to break out. And, and take advantage of the fact that he's outside the pocket. He is a better passer at that point, but it's not like he's going to hurt you downfield like no. Brandon Wimbush will because he is a good runner with the football.
2: Uh, Adam uh, Rittenberg is in South Bend uh, here on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Out. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. Uh, in the early games here for Week 1, Adam, anything stand out to you?
8: Well, definitely Maryland's win over Texas. The second straight year that they beat them, but under completely different circumstances. They're losing their teammate Jordan McNair early in the summer. you are having to deal with the coaching situation. Their head coach on administrative leave. After some of our reporting in August, in Matt Canada, you can't give him enough credit for what he did and those players. To perform the way they did today, they were the better team. They took control of the game. They, they they had a had to hold Texas off there in the fourth quarter a couple of times when the offense wasn't really clicking. And for them to to start the season that way after everything that they've been through from an emotional standpoint, it's really it's really important. It's really impressive the way that those players and coaches performed.
4: Was this Ohio State's reminder that it's them and everybody else in the Big Ten?
8: You know, I don't know. Oregon State's a new coaching staff and not a very good team at this point. But I'll say this. I think Dwayne Haskins has a chance to be pretty special for Ohio State. You know, JT Barrett, I think, had so much respect of all of us who covered him as a leader, as a guy who was fought through injury and some other adversity. But there were clear limitations in his game as a passer. And so the thought was Haskins might not be the leader that JT is but he's got everything else. And you saw it today, just what he can do with that receiving core, which is the deepest that they've had there, certainly in Urban Meyer's tenure, maybe ever, as far as experienced, talented receivers. So Mike Weber, a huge performance. But I really think Ohio State can get a lot of guys involved in the passing game and do more in the passing game because of what Dwayne Haskins brings to the table.
3: Adam, you take a look at the other big game tonight, Louisville and Alabama. How do you see that one playing out?
8: Yeah, probably pretty ugly for Louisville. Now, you know, unless they've made some significant changes along their offensive line, and one of their offensive linemen thinks that they can dominate Alabama or at least has a chance to dominate Alabama, that's a pretty tall order. Uh, that's a Louisville offensive line, kind of like Michigan's, that's underachieved. Um, but maybe they've improved. Uh, they have a they have a lot of confidence in in Jawan Pass at quarterback, a highly rated recruit. They have a good receiving core, but unless you're able to attack that new look Alabama secondary, it's really a completely a different group of guys in the back end for Nick Saban. I think it's going to be a long night. Alabama's going to run the ball. I think if Tua is the quarterback, I would expect him to get most of the snaps. Alabama will get more guys involved in the passing game. It's kind of like Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State in that Tua because of his skills, you know, they are able to get, you know, four, five, six guys involved on a regular basis catching the football as opposed to last year when they went into the playoffs with Dalen Hurts at quarterback and they had one receiver essentially. Calvin Ridley had 55 catches. The next guy had like 14, and that bothered them. So I think Tua is the guy to to get them to the next level from an offensive standpoint.
2: Adam, lastly, with Clemson, the second winningest program since 2011, a defensive line that got all their returning starters. They got 30 seniors on this football team. How close is Clemson to Alabama
9: in your view?
8: Very, very close, Jonathan. I would say this, though. Uh, Alabama, you saw it just as I did. I was down in New Orleans. Alabama dominated that offensive line of Clemson. I don't know if that that unit is where it needs to be for them to take down an Alabama in a game like that. But everything else, defensive line, quarterback play, having multiple options there, Clemson's terrific at receiver, they have multiple running backs, Um, they're pretty good in the back end on defense, but is their offensive line able to withstand that Alabama defensive front in a playoff-type setting? That I don't know because – you, know, you, you saw them just get dominated last year in the semifinal.
2: Well, Adam, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll be listening on the, the podcast as well, the Campus Conversation podcast. You can download that wherever you find your podcast. Listen to Adam and many others that cover college football. Adam, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
8: I'd appreciate you guys. Enjoy the games
2: tonight. Absolutely. From South Bend, it is Adam Rittenberg with us, covering Michigan and Notre Dame. He's with us on Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000.
3: So, guys, we already have a final uh, that will probably knock someone out of the top 25. We're in the first weekend of the season, and it looks like Texas will be the first one bounced from the top 25 as they lose to Maryland 34-29. to Tom Herman starts year two. With a loss to
10: Maryland. Put the mongrel on the ground. Put that mongrel
2: in the ground. Hook
3: them horns down to the
2: ground. Maryland, the cloud of controversy over that program, clearly, but yet still being able to get to an entitled program like Texas. Still with the controversy, still being able to get out of victory against Texas.
4: And we, when you look at Texas, it'll be good next week when USC looks to get their first victory uh, when they really? head to Texas really? uh, to, to face Tom Herman in his second year uh, with the Longhorns. You,
3: that's what you're going to do here? Matt, Matt Canada can to- coach, my God. Here's the Matt, thing Matt about Canada. Texas, too. Uh, if you take a look at last season, 7-6, and six, their over-under for this year was 8.5 wins. <laughs> if you were holding an over-ticket, you're in trouble because not only did you lose today, right. they have the fourth toughest strength of schedule in the entire country, so it doesn't get easier for Texas. Abdal mentioned next week they're going to play USC as well, so then... You have this situation shaping up where you're going to lose in September at least two games probably yeah. because their schedule is tough. I mean, this is this is a Texas program that we were told by by everyone covering college football that th- they're going to be back. Right? They can compete in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma <laughs> may be challenged. You know, TCU is going to be that. there. West Virginia is <laughs> up in their game against Tennessee, and Texas loses to Maryland. With, with well, hot name, the
4: Tom mighty, Herman? The mighty Big Ten strikes again, Chris. Well, you
3: might as well have stayed at Houston. Got to keep in
2: mind that the game was on the road for the Longhorns. Oh, neutral site location, though. <laughs> they played at uh, the Redskin Stadium. Please, reparations for the, long, the Longhorn Network. <laughs>
3: try to try to get your, I mean,
0: get your money back if you oh. can.
3: Broad <laughs> <laughs> product from ESPN, <laughs> but still. Lord. <laughs> wow. We'll have a scoreboard for you
2: coming up in a moment. Oh. Along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, John, hood with you. Our coverage
0: of college football with our Chicago College Tailgate show continues. The CCT scoreboard on ESPN 1000.
3: I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here's your Chicago's College Tailgate scoreboard. Georgia a big 38-0 on Austin Seven. P. 10-30 left in the third quarter. We just talked about it. Maryland, they beat Texas 34-29. Texas, 23rd-ranked team in the country. Probably will not be ranked after this weekend as Maryland gets the big victory, 34-29. to <laughs> Washington with the ball and driving. Ten minutes left to go in the third quarter. They're down two to Auburn, 15-13. USC at halftime, up on UNLV, 19-14. They found a way to not... Just kick field goals, guys. UNLV really uh, closer than the experts think <clears throat> yep. with the USC Trojans right now at the half. You also have uh, Penn State up 17-10 to on Appalachian State with 621 left in the third quarter. Struggle. Delayed in a weather situation. West Virginia's up on Tennessee at the moment. They are waiting to start the third quarter. It's 13-7 in that game as they are in a delay. In the Big Ten, also we have our eyes on Iowa. They're up ten to nothing on Northern Illinois with five minutes left in the third quarter as Washington just scores and they are up now on Auburn nineteen to
4: fifteen. And a shout out to the bearded Lovey Smith, ILL, getting the job done, getting the job done. Big tough, what? what? Big tough matchup today what? at home to open the season yes. against Kent State. Yes, uh, eking out the win thirty-one twenty-four. Eking is.
2: Correct. That was not. Wow. Now here's the thing. Our buddy Pete Butek said, "Don't worry about it. Don't overthink this thing. Illinois going to win. That's fine." Well, do you have the number on that? Do you know what that number was before the game? Oh, the uh, tight right the spread. Yeah, was, was I can
3: look it up. Give it. Give me a minute. What, here. Was
2: that? Was that game? T- I think that was a tight number. Now my
3: thought uh, is that number opened o- as a pick'em. What <laughs> against Kent State? like no. uh, your uh, Minus fifteen. Illinois was favored by fifteen. Oh, mm-mm. Oof. Mm-mm. Oof. Uh, like, can I just give some advice
2: here? I know our gambling segment is at the top. Our pick segment. You you <laughs> go against Illinois every
4: single game. Yeah. Every single game. I bet the uh, the over under for the season was three and a half. I went under.
3: <sighs> that's what that's what Howard.
4: So no, Howard I, Griffin would tell you
3: for the big 10 network you know uh the the football power index for espn only suggested that illinois is going to win 3.9 games so you're looking at three to four games that they will win the over under was three and a half so abdallah is saying under even though the fbi is only suggesting that they maybe win one over three so they've
4: got they won this game and then who do they face next
2: western then uh, it's going to be south florida at soldier field find
4: find me another win after the first two games
2: well, again, South Florida is going to be at Soldier Field. Okay. Penn State, Rutgers, Purdue, Wisconsin, <laughs> Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, <laughs> Iowa against Northwestern.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean,
2: that's, I mean, you might eke out something against Rutgers, and that's going to be on the road, I
3: believe, yes. Let me ask you this question. What, what will last longer, this show or Lovey Smith at Illinois? Yes. I mean...
2: They have put. They went all in on Lovey Smith. This is that's a six-year deal, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, I'm aware. This is year three.
4: Into mm-hmm. uh, update. I, I, well, no, but, this but, but, is year. No, no, this is year four. But th- but he came in so late. They made the hire right. so late that's that right. he couldn't recruit his first year. So he's only had three years of his players. This
2: is not a. And I know that somewhere down the line, all the other hosts are going to have this like this deep conversation about Illinois. This is not a deep conversation. Because in college football, you're the one that buys the groceries. you got to cook the meal. Mm-hmm. If you can't get it done, you just can't get it done. Mm-hmm. You're fired. Yep. It's as simple as that. There is no black and white to it. Yeah. E- either you can get it done or you can't. So, And here's a guy here. And, and by the way, when Lovie can't get it done, this will be his last opportunity to coach. Oh, this yeah. is it here. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of like Ed Orgeron at LSU. Yeah. Your dream job is at LSU. If you fail at LSU, this is it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, there is no, well, let's give this guy another second chance. No, same thing with Lovey. Lovey,
3: if he's going to stay in football, if he cannot turn that around, he's done as a head coach on any level. To update one score, uh, Washington's touchdown was called back on an def- offensive pick play. So they brought it back. Then they went to kick a field goal. A 40 yard field goal was missed. What the- so Auburn's still in the lead, 15 13 on Washington. What's the matter? Why'd you put the headphones on? What are you doing? This is supposed to be a
4: playoff team. Hey, Auburn's a tough squad. What's your deal? Why don't you let like Gus Malzahn? Listen, he's, he's tricky, that Gus on. So you have to understand, Chris.
2: For, for Adam and I, it's always personal when an SEC team yeah. underachieves because you get, you're working with a Georgia fan and not a Alabama fan. You've got to so. make the conference better.
3: Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see, guys. Let me teach you something about rooting for teams on the West Coast. They always disappoint you. So the fact that this is a struggle against Auburn right now is not a surprise <laughs> for Washington. <laughs> Just like USC is barely squeaking by UNLV right now at the half, 19-14. to
4: I mean, that's pathetic. I don't even need the rest of this game to cross Washington out of my playoff. Because if they get a victory here, that it doesn't matter. It's a close game.
3: They have every opportunity. They have a, a good quarterback in Jake Browning. They have the ability to win this game. What's wrong with that? Let me just, uh, you guys, listen, Adam has talked about his
2: Alabama. We gave Alabama a segment. You've talked about your USC and your red redneck that uh, that we're seeing here, where you are having your, he's angry, <laughs> the angry
4: <laughs> USC fans. It's not as red now because they're winning.
2: Can I can I just talk a little bit about my team, Georgia, just when for they, a second? When they
4: play a real team, yeah. Don't do that. I'm kidding. Don't I'm kidding. do that. I can't do that
3: to my own. Don't do that. I can't we can't eat our own. Don't hey, do Man, that. Austin P would be tough if it's the NCAA tournament. <laughs> you know, everyone's always picking that 13 seed Austin P. I
2: think UIC beat you U-I- Austin P. I think they did. Uh, so so how the question is how good is Georgia? Here's the thing difference between me and maybe most Georgia fans. I understand what, what this season is. I don't expect for my team to be in the Final Four, but I do expect for my team to be able to have a high-quality bowl game for this upcoming season. It loses a linebacker. Of course, Roquan Smith is the bear. You've got to be able to replace two NFL starting caliber running backs in Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. even though we are running back you. The thing is, though, is that you have to replace seven starters on defense and a few key offensive linemen. I believe in what Kirby's doing, but I just know that, because of so many changes, there's going to be a little bit of drop-off. Also, you know that teams have keyed in on Jake Fromm now. They've seen enough film on him uh, since the Notre Dame game to find out his positives and negatives. So I just think that they're going to have a a terrific recruiting class, linebacker corps, they've already got speed
4: and athleticism. Next year, next couple of years, I could see them in the mix for the Final Four. The question is not whether or not they're going to be in the mix because I think Georgia's good enough and Kirby's Smart is bringing over the Saban mentality and the process and all that stuff about about maintaining continuity and maintaining that elite status. The question is, in the SEC and in recruiting, can you maintain that elite status? Can Georgia always be in the conversation? Or will it just be a cyclical thing, you know, every couple years, Georgia's kind of in it, it comes down to who. Because to me, the SEC, whoever represents the SEC in the college football playoff is going to come down to the championship game between Georgia and Alabama. Georgia wins, I think they go in. Alabama wins, I think they go in. So can they always make that college fo- that SEC championship game to get an opportunity to make the college football playoff?
3: See, the way I view it is the top of the SEC always has an opportunity to get two because the top of the SEC is that good. So I get it that you're saying these two teams are going to meet. Whoever wins the SEC championship game, they get into the playoff. That's how it's going to work. In my eyes, the rest of the country is playing for two spots because Georgia and Alabama are that good. Now, you can add Clemson into the mix, and then you say, okay, well, that leaves one spot, and I'd say, yeah, probably. You're looking at teams like Notre Dame, Washington, Ohio State, Penn State. These are the teams that are fighting for that last spot because the three teams at the top of the list in college football are that good. And I, I envy both of your schools. And, Abdallah, I think there's more than enough to go around for two superpowers to be deep in the south and it's not a mark rick led team so
2: i have more confidence (laughs) in kirby smart to be able to keep them in the hunt than
3: well i mean think about it mark rick would have lost that game against baker mayfield when oklahoma came back all those times that would have been a loss for the dogs right yeah but under this new regime with kirby smart they know how to execute at the end they know how to get the win they know how to get there i think (laughs) everything is fantastic for your schools i envy it my team's struggling with UNLV. Having said that, I'm scared to death of the South Carolina game next week.
1: I was just going to say, yeah,
4: absolutely, absolutely. Scared to death. Sandstorm's going to be playing. That's just a longtime Georgia fan yeah. who hasn't, who's still, scars. Who's still scarred by scars the ex-girlfriend. The and you're still like, well, I mean, it happened before.
3: It's probably going to happen again. She won't cheat on me this.
2: It really is. It's deep scars from the Rick administration. <laughs> Whatever goes wrong is going to go wrong. We're going to have a nice December third. 30th bowl game. Yee! Go dogs! (laughs) So sad. (laughs) All right, coming up, we will have our picks and also we'll get a a chance to look ahead to Notre Dame and Michigan. That's coming up next. Along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Chicago's College Tailgate live from the Four Winds Casino at the K&K Grill. This is ESPN 1000.
0: Best bets of the week with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah.
8: Here's Jonathan Hood.
2: Glad you're with us here for college for Chicago's college tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Blett, Jonathan Hood. With you, we're with you every week. Right before Notre Dame football next Saturday, we'll be on from 11 to 1:30, right into the Notre Dame Ball State
3: game. Should be fantastic, Jonathan. Can't wait to do the show every week. And tonight, what a fantastic game to kick off the kickoff season for Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish taking on Michigan. Absolutely uh fantastic game. Two really good defenses. and It'll be interesting to see which quarterback plays better. Will it be Brandon Wimbush or Shea Patterson the first time as he's under center for the Michigan Wolverines?
2: On top of that, uh, Adam, we're keeping our eyes on the Khalil Mack news with the Chicago Bears. As Khalil Mack and the Bears just reached an agreement on a record-setting six-year $141 million extension, $23.5 <laughs> per on the average. That includes a $90 million guarantee
4: for Whoa. Khalil Mack. I mean, listen, the Bears got money. If you're going to show it and throw it now, you might as well show it and throw it. You got your quarterback on a rookie deal, so you've got uh, a lot of money to burn, and the the Bears have decided to break the bank for Cleo Mack. He's
3: proven, so it's worth it. So I believe uh, this not only makes it, this is the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. It also, I believe, is the highest paid Bear in Bears history as well. is the biggest contract the Chicago Bears have ever given out, and it's to Khalil Mack to play defensive end for the Chicago
4: Bears for the next six seasons as he is set and locked in. How about that? He's 27 years old, so he'll be 33 at the end of the deal. He's in the prime of his career. He's been top three in quarterback pressures the last three years. He hasn't missed a game in his four seasons in the NFL. So this is... By all means, I think worth the money if the Bears have it. Now, we're saying this now. Now, think about this five years from now, four years from now.
2: For all the right reasons, four seasons as he's able to sign now with the Chicago Bears. Mack is the the new highest paid defensive player in NFL history. No one's made more money than Khalil
3: Mack. Wow. And that's an outstanding thing to kind of think about and take a moment about. But also, consider this, he's ours as bears fans like that's the all- other thing is like add in the fact that today's news that the fact that now he's a Chicago Bear on that defense I mean it's fantastic uh includes 90 million dollars guaranteed a 60 million dollars signing bonus for Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears
2: how about that so so Khalil Mack Officially with the Chicago Bears, and again, we'll take your tweets on that at ESPN1000CCT. Um, make sure that you follow along and tell people about our Twitter handle, at ESPN1000CCT for Chicago's College Tailgate. Also on the Facebook page, Facebook.com, look for Chicago's College Tailgate. All right, I think we heard an open for for our segment, right? That's yeah, yeah, that. I think we heard it. But we want to. Best well, I mean, listen, news.
3: when there's money being thrown around in the NFL, we have to address it, but then we should throw around our own. How about that?
2: Yeah, I think we're going to definitely do that. <laughs> we're we're going to
3: take care of you
2: tonight. For those of you that love to be able to go on a certain website or uh, call your guy, if you're still doing the old school thing, calling, uh, and calling uh, SD, uh, special delivery down in uh, Antigua, we have got you hooked up. We got you all together here for our program. All right, so, Chris, you start off first. What is uh, one of your big plays for the night?
3: Okay, so I know that we are here in South Bend. I know we are doing the show leading up to Notre Dame football. I I love this game because of many reasons. One, it's the defensive. uh, The two sides for Michigan and Notre Dame, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Both teams in defensive yards per play. Michigan last year was fifth in the country. Notre Dame was 25th. Michigan returns 10 starters on defense. Notre Dame returns nine starters on defense. I feel like this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Notre Dame's offense is going to be a little bit better in the end. I love getting the points, and the two-and-a-half of Notre
4: Dame, that's what I'm going to take for my first play is Notre Dame plus the two-and-a-half.
2: All right, Adam, what's your big big first play?
4: My first play, I'm going to stick with the Michigan-Notre Dame game, as Chris mentioned. Michigan 0-16 versus AP, top 25 teams on the road since 2006. Not that that matters this year. Uh, their best, my, Michigan's best wide receiver, Tariq Black, is out. Uh, both teams are number two and number seven, respectively, in S&P plus defense, a metric used to project defenses and offenses. The Notre Dame defense, like Chris said, returns 10 starters on defense. Michigan may have the second-best defensive line in the country, just behind Clemson. The over-under has wavered between 46, 45 and a half 45. I like the under at 46, so I'm going to go with Michigan-Notre Dame under 46.
2: Okay, uh, for mine, and again... Here's what I'm going to need from you, Adam, to see where the current number is. I know what it was when I, when I hit send this morning. (laughs) But it might have, uh. Did it move? It might have moved. It may have moved. It moved? So the, so the one I have here is UCLA Cincinnati. That game is at, is that game at
4: six o'clock tonight?
2: I know that is a West Coast game in the Pac 12. What time is that game, Chris? For UC, UC, UCLA, six o'clock
4: in Central Time. Six yes. o'clock Central Time. Six o'clock Central Time for UCLA Cincinnati. UCLA is a fourteen and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty three and a half. Okay, I have the I have the under number
2: one and number two. I have Cincinnati, and I got it at fifteen. But you say fourteen and a half. Fourteen and a half. So I hit send and it hit fifteen. So I, I love Cincinnati and the fifteen against UCLA. I think nice. UCLA, yeah. looking at what's going on with the Bruins, here's a team here that it was six and seven last year. I think that it's a rebuilding situation for them. They really uh, were not very good against, uh, especially with the running game. I think that that was a big key for them, 116th naturally with the running game. I think they're going to struggle to score. But I, So I think if the closest the experts think, I'm going to go Cincinnati in the 15, or as you say, 14.5 against UCLA. Chris?
3: All right, my second pick I will give you guys tomorrow night, a little Sunday night football, college style. ABC Television, you have Miami, number eight in the country against LSU, 25th team in the country. This is a neutral site game in Arlington, Texas. So it's a big recruiting game for LSU because they often go into Texas and try and recruit over to the bayou right so take a look at the two teams last year both yards per play they were 37th for miami 34th for lsu defensive yards per play miami was ninth lsu was 26 i like the fact that miami has fifth year senior malik razier as their quarterback whereas lsu they named their starter on monday joe burrow he's a grad transfer from ohio state it's his first start ever I like the turnover chain. I like the defense from the hurricanes. I'm gonna take Miami minus the three and a half. I think they cover
4: that and I'm gonna go with the hurricanes in my second game. Adam You guys know where I'm going. Sabins only Sabins nine and one in these openers since he came to uh, Alabama against the spread. Louisville only returns five starters on defense. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Alabama because I think this game is going to be one on the ground. Jalen can hand off as many times as he wants to, if Tua wants to come in and mop up relief, that's fine. I think this is a game that is close in the first quarter as the teams try to figure each other out. I think that Bob Petrino is going to have a couple trick plays up his sleeve to try to test the young Alabama secondary, but I think this is one of these games where we watched Alabama all the time where it's close in the first quarter, maybe 7-0, 7-7, and then eventually you look down, you look up again, it's 21-7. to Then you look down, you look up again, it's 35-7. to And then eventually Alabama just pulls away. I like Alabama minus 24.
2: All right, um, as far as this game is concerned with LSU and Miami, I think that this will be the end for Ed Ogeron, where he, he sounds like it, he looks the part but he just is not equipped, I think, to handle a program and get them to a national title or even win the, uh, the SEC. So I look at this Miami game, and I'm, even though I think Miami is the second-best team in the ACC because I think Clemson is head and shoulders above everyone else, uh, I saw the over-under, and again, I'll, I'll ask you guys what it is now. I saw the uh, over-under at 46 for this game for Miami and LSU. It stands at 46. I love the under in this game as Miami wins 40-3. to so I, I think that I got to think that that Miami not only is going to win the game, but I also think when I look at the over under, I think uh, LSU will struggle to score. I'll, give me the under in the Miami LSU game at forty six, Chris.
3: All right, and then I'll go to Monday night football. I'm giving you all the primetime games. So I give you Michigan Notre Dame, then I give you Miami LSU. Let's go to Monday night: Virginia Tech, Florida State. That game, I believe, you can also see on ABC television for that one. And if we take a look at that line, it's seven and a half. Florida State is the favorite. I like Florida State because it's Willie Taggart this time and not uh, Jimbo Fisher. And last year, if you take a look at what this Florida State team did overall, is they disappointed. Second of all, against the spread, they were 3-8-1 and one last season. They didn't have DeAndre Francois. They have him back. New head coach is a dream job for Willie Taggart. I think Florida State makes a statement against their rival Virginia Tech in the opener. I think they cover the minus seven and a half.
4: For all the reasons that I gave you before with Alabama and Louisville, I'm going to take the over as well. It started at 62 and a half, it is now down to 61, which I like even more when I pulled the trigger at 62 and a half so I may be pulling the trigger again here at Pull 61. I like the over in that game again. I think that this is a game that just kind of grinds and grinds and grinds, and even though I don't think they're going to put up Ohio State numbers, I don't think Alabama's putting up 77 and covering the over by themselves, I think that they can come close to it against a very inexperienced Louisville defense. Michigan
2: against Notre Dame, uh, again, when I saw it early this morning, it was, uh,
3: was did Notre Dame, what they favored plus two, uh, minus two? Coming into this? Well, really early they were favored, and then it went all the way through uh, Pickham to now. I've, all day it was Michigan minus one, minus one and a half, minus two. I believe the line is what, minus two and a half at two the moment? A half. It's
2: up to two and a half right now. Michigan outright is going to win this game against Notre Dame. Oh. That's number one. Number two is that, that again, there's <laughs> no, no question, that Michigan will win this game today the over-under for this game, what do you have that as at this point in time? 46. 46. I love the over in this game. Uh, oh. thrilling, at the, thrilling at the end. I, I Give me the over. Give me Michigan to win this game on the road as uh, Notre Dame starts off
3: 0-1. Fantastic. All right. That's fantastic. All right, so yeah, let's
2: that. go over again. And, and, and uh, Eric, could you please put this on Twitter, at espn one thousand CCT. We want people to be able to win money because all we're doing is just giving out cash. That's what we do. We just give out cash. We just give the picks, and we're just handing out cash. It is it is Kwanzaa. It is Christmas uh, in August here. It's a very September. solemn Ramadan,
3: and so it's a solemn Ramadan here in September. So, um, Chris, go through your picks again. So, I'm taking Notre Dame plus the two and a half, Miami minus the three and a half, and Florida State minus seven and a half.
2: Okay, I like uh, I like Cincinnati plus fifteen against UCLA. I love uh, the under in the Miami LSU game, under 46. And I like Michigan uh, straight out to win against Notre Dame tonight. And I like the over in the game. What was the number that you gave me? 46. For over over 46 for Michigan-Notre Dame. Adam?
4: I like the under in that game in Michigan-Notre Dame. I like Alabama to cover the 24. And I like over in the that, the total of that game at 61.
2: So we're just giving you out money here on Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah, John Hood with you broadcasting live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend at the Kankakee Grill. If you're ever in the area, if you're ever going to go to a Notre Dame game, stop here first because this is a nice spot to come here, Chris, first and then be able to go to the game because many people have done that right now.
3: I had a burger at the bar earlier. The cut of bacon on the burger was thicker than the burger itself. I mean, it was so delicious. It was a barbecue bacon burger. Ooh, baby, it was good. You got to stop here on your way to South Bend, or maybe on your way out of town, play some blackjack on your way home That's after true. the uh, Notre Dame Michigan game. So I, I think Abdallah and I are going to go to a table right at what five thirty-two. Is is that the plan, Abdallah? We're going to go play some blackjack. It might be. It might All right. be. All right, time for a CCT scoreboard. The CCT clicks. scoreboard on ESPN One Thousand. The Bulldogs from Georgia, they're up forty-five-nothing on Austin P at the end of the third quarter. The big game going on right now. Auburn, Washington. Washington is driving in Auburn's territory. It's two minutes left in the third quarter. The score is still fifteen to thirteen, but Washington has the ball driving the football right now uh, at Auburn. Uh LSU, they're up, I mean USC is up nineteen to fourteen on UNLV. 9.40 left in the third quarter. Again, closer than the experts think in that one. Other games going on, Penn State having a tough time against Appalachian State. 24-17, to 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Delayed still because of weather. West Virginia and Tennessee at the half. The score is 13-7 in that one. And also going on in the Big Ten right now, Iowa. They're up 24 to nothing on Northern Illinois with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter.
2: right, you are listening to Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app with Chris and Adam the Hood with you. Any other games that stand out to you so far? Guys that you have seen that that, uh, resonate with you? You know, you gave the scoreboard here and again, we're keeping our eyes on this game with uh, Washington Auburn. I believe the Pac-12 hangs in the balance with this one here. Washington wins, then it gives, it breathes new life. Into the Pac-12, an opportunity to win, but the but the Tennessee situation here, as you mentioned, delayed. West Virginia leading Tennessee thirteen to seven with Jeremy Pruitt, a name that we've heard for quite a long time in football circles, trying to restart a program. I don't think it's totally dead, but it just it needs some life. This Tennessee Volunteers team.
3: Yeah, and they're playing a team that is a bit overhyped heading into the season. Uh Ranked 17th overall is West Virginia. Their quarterback, Will Greer, he'll be mentioned in most Heisman conversations. But outside of that, I'm not quite sure what the Mountaineers bring to the table. It's definitely a team both Abdallah and I thought would be an under on their win total for the season. And it's a team that I think will struggle throughout the year. So I like Tennessee heading into this game. The game is closer than what the spread was. It was a 10-point game. That's what it ended at. Right now you're looking at a six-point ball game. So right now Tennessee is covering. It's a tough game. Uh, A couple other things I want to point to, guys. You look again at Maryland. They get a big victory. Tough summer, right, with Scandal. They come out opening day. Heartfelt victory against Texas 34-29. to And Tom Herman starts the season with a really bad loss on the road, and then you look at Texas's counterpart, Oklahoma. Some people thought that Lane and the Owls would get a little frisky at FAU. No, no chance. Oklahoma, 63-14. to
4: 14, They just rolled all over Boomer Sooner, all over Lane Kiffin and his nonsense. I think, to me, that's the game that sticks out the most. I know that they're ranked 7th in the AP, top 25, Oklahoma, that is. Um, But I think as far as the national conversation goes, they've kind of been left out since Baker Mayfield left. They've kind of been, oh, this Kyler Murray, he's doing this football thing. He's really a baseball player. He's already got $5 million. So what's the point? What are we doing here? But this offense, they prove it with five touchdowns on the ground, three through the air. Kyler Murray goes nine for 11, 209 yards and two touchdowns. They you put up sixty three points and you only throw eleven passes. How about that it's It's insane, so to me, they are right back in the forefront of a of a college football playoff conversation to go along with Ohio State that put up 77 points today against Oregon State. So those two teams, two kind of teams, I know Ohio State's been in the news for the wrong reasons right now, but they're another team that on the field, they're still going to be one of the more dominant teams. But Oklahoma, everybody seems to have counted them out like, oh, well, Baker's gone. Yeah, That right. doesn't matter. Right.
3: Link, Lincoln Riley's a good head coach. And yeah. the other thing to kind of point to is, Jonathan, I want to get your thoughts on this because uh, we haven't talked to you on the air about it. And if you're driving around in your car this afternoon, you're listening to the show, maybe you don't know everything about college football. You just kind of like listening in and following what's going on. Here's the story with Kyler Murray. And have you ever heard of this before, Jonathan? He was drafted by the Oakland Athletics. He signed a contract. He can only play one year at Oklahoma. He's playing one year of college football at quarterback for Oklahoma, and then he's going pro next year. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of something with, like, because what's crazy about it is, it's not like football is a guaranteed sport where you can make it through without getting hurt. Right. And the Oakland Athletics are okay, allowing him to go play one year of college football.
2: Wow! No, I had never heard of that before. And if it, if that happened, usually that stuff was off the record. You wouldn't know. <laughs> like he'd just be Dude's walking pro. around with five
4: million dollars. Yeah, yeah. About you're on. That.
3: You're on college campus. You're you're there at Oklahoma. Right. You got the money in the bank. You know you're going pro for the Oakland Athletics once the season's over. But you're there at. Oklahoma gonna play quarterback you started today you looked awesome this team as Abdallah said is definitely a sleeper to make a run at the college football playoff. Well
2: he's taking Oklahoma because he's already scratched crashed out Washington and Washington's still in the balance here 15 13 with a minute left of the third he's already he has counted out the Pac-12 See, he's already he's already penciled in Oklahoma and here's Abdallah's Final problem
3: four. if you win this game that's a good resume building win mm-hmm. it is Okay, so what is. happens in like five minutes when they score a touchdown, and they take the lead? You're gonna pencil them back into your little foursome there. Cross out Penn State. I mean, can't what is hang this? with Appalachian You've State. You got a flimsy foursome there. No,
4: I got, I got, I got a solid top two. I got a solid top two to build my foundation on. <laughs> right. And then the other two, the other two are rotating. You can rotate those in and out. That's, that's
2: fine. Those other two are not very good for your tent poles there. For your, <laughs> that's fine.
4: <laughs> I only need two solid structures there. I'm good. Not to build good. Not to a house. No. The is, <laughs> you need four. The question is with Oklahoma. And Kyler Murray. Uh, Austin Kendall saw some action. He did score a touchdown. How much injury is he willing to handle? How much of a, like, if he's hurt, if he's sore, how much is he willing to play? How much is Oklahoma willing to? Because I'm sure that if something happens, Oklahoma has to be on the hook for some of that money. They
2: have to be. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Jonathan and Adam broadcasting live from the Four Winds Casino here in South Bend. Let's hear from Jim Harbaugh. The reason why we're here is because Michigan and Notre Dame taking place uh, in a, a few miles from here at the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Let us hear from Jim Harbaugh. The sit-down interview with Marty Smith. How does he look at this matchup?
1: You
10: said that the goal was a championship. Mm-hmm. How close are you to that goal?
9: Well, we're having at it. Um... You know, we, uh, as we said, we got, we have high expectations, and uh, that's the cause. You know, there's, uh, there's no cause we support, foreign or domestic, other than uh, winning the Big Ten championship. That's our goal. That's our goal this year.
10: How do you think you've evolved during your years here at Michigan as a coach?
9: I'm kind of just, uh, you know, see through like a baggy. You know, I just. Uh,
10: What's see through a baggy mean?
9: transparent like a baggie you know I'd be a terrible poker player I you know, just kind of wear where the emotions out of the sleeve I try to attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind and feel good about the job that I'm doing and I want to do it even better tomorrow I mean that's so um, you know if that's evolving then then uh, I'm evolving
10: let's talk criticism what's your reaction to people who criticize your record in perceived big games
9: Um you know, fair, because we haven't won them. So, um, you know, a loss, tough loss, the mouth gets real dry, and uh, you know, we like to be by ourselves. We like to just uh, uh, be in misery. You know, you do the best job that you can, and, and there's always gonna be 100 people, at least, who are gonna tell you how you uh, could have done it better. September 13th, 1986. Jim Harbaugh and the
10: Michigan Wolverines walk into Notre Dame. And beat Lou Holtz and the boys twenty four to twenty-three. I want every vivid memory you got.
9: Everyone <laughs> I just remember one. I remember one of the happiest feelings, you know, coming back from South Bend and coming onto campus and just felt good about yourself, you know. As far as the game, I remember Jamie Morris catching the touchdown pass on the left side of the end zone, going toward the going toward the touchdown Jesus. And uh You can smile, it's okay. Yeah, that was that was a <laughs> tremendous catch by him. And uh Pretty good throw. I remember that being a good
10: throw. I know it's the next game, but what's the importance of this game for
9: you and for your team? You know who could have it better? I mean, you go into a really hostile environment. Uh, you know they'll shake up the Thunder, and uh, you know Duke Rockne may even come down from from heaven.
10: You know. What's the impact of your personal experience as a player being able to prepare your players for that environment and that magnitude?
9: Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be going to be chaos, man. It's going to be uh, football at its most exciting level, you know. Go have fun. Jamar Ball
2: ready for tonight's game against Notre Dame. We'll find out. Our coverage starts... At the bottom of the hour right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to our guest Steve Silverman as well as Adam Rittenberg for being with us. Show produced by Eric Ostrowski back in our studios in downtown Chicago. Artb.com also on site taking care of us. Get that website going again, will you pal? And also our staff here at, at <laughs> Fort Winds Casino in South Bend. Thank you so much for having us. Great uh, first show. Yeah, can't wait to do it next week and I can't wait to watch the games tonight. Roll Tide. For Adam Abdallah and Chris Bleck, this is Jonathan Hood. We'll talk to you next Saturday at 11 a.m. with another edition of Chicago's
0: College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
7: Go Dogs!